Mate, we, uh, we lay low, we appreciate nature and we take the pace off on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, had the, had the machete there, got the coconut on the table to um, drop an eight of cray on the fire. You're a man now, son. Chewing gum for everyone. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, couldn't shut the- me up. <laughs> Young with as and tads, it'll take you back to basics like a dead set classic with a bit of bullshit to hide the truth. It'll take your breath away like a deep dog tooth. Yeah, as I make a ponder with those real deep thoughts. Tads that make you wonder, think what the fuck for. But when they come together, the shit is the fan. That's how they roll, true, true blue men. Yarns with as and tads. Back to basics, that's what I live by. Yarns <laughs> with as and tads. Anything's possible this afternoon, you and I here. <laughs> What's this potty all about, fuck ya? All right, I'm gonna tell ya. Look, this podcast is born with a desire to share our perspectives, as and Taz, from a unique lifestyle. One that involves life in tropical and remote far north Queensland. The perspectives of two like-minded farmers, that's me and you, outdoorsmen, (laughs) life lovers, ocean adventurers, fishos, spiros, hunters, with experiences wide ranging from being a Band, frontman, rapper, family man. To a back to basics YouTube fucking sensation. <laughs> and also an adventure tour guide with a side business that makes natural fruit nice cream. Yeah, I said nice cream. <laughs> fucking. He, he sounds like a bizarre yet interesting dude. Uh, Look, but the whole feel behind this podcast is to share our experiences, our thoughts, our friends and mates with the rest of the world. (laughs) With a touch of fucking GST, I reckon. Like every good yarn with a mate should, eh? You're not bloody wrong, Taz. Look, this first podcast takes it back to where it all began, a day that you and I, Taz, had a yarn where uh, our, our bromance really blossomed, I feel. So, if you love chewing the fat with your mate... Strap yourself in, get yourself ready to spin a few yarns, yarns with, with Az and Taz. Taz. Cheers, buddy. Let's <laughs> Cheers, Lex. Let's fucking do this. Ew. Ooh. Oh, fuck, I love rum. Oh, it's a good drop. Yeah. All right, we're on. We're live? Yeah, we're a little bit live and a little bit <laughs> loud. <laughs> yeah, rocking. Hey. So we've got uh, Aaron Gallagher here, mate. How you going, Az? Great to be here, Tony. B2B. Back to basics. Back to basics. That's what yeah. I live by. Nice. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me on, brother. No, good. It's a nice little spot you got down here at Curramine. Mate, we uh, we lay low, we appreciate nature, and we take the pace off on a Sunday. So oh. that's what we're here to do. We're just sitting here at Curramine, just looking out over the beautiful King Reef. It's a bit of a gloomy day, but still probably the best spot you could see it, sit this oh, time of the year. Mate, the, uh, we've got a beautiful breeze. We're not getting... Rained on as uh, as is held true to the last six months here in FNQ, but um, nah, it's a, it's a beautiful spot, mate. Like yes. we said, we can hear the ocean in the background, so that's yeah. always a plus. <laughs> well, yesterday afternoon would have been nice down here. It was oh, mate, it was a magic day yesterday. Hey. Yeah, it was stunner. I think any any time the sun comes out now, it's just you see the morale of everyone yeah. go up by at least thirty two percent. Yeah, it's hundred percent on my yeah, farm. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> Old Mudville, less bog tractors. Yeah. <laughs> no, so all right. What links you to Innisfail? Well, well mate, I'm, I'm I'm born and bred. Grew up in East Innisfail, uh, between East Innisfail and uh, East Palmerston. Yep, up Narada. Our family have uh, traditionally a. A banana farm that my granddad sort of started growing bananas. That was his dream. 
uh, back in the, the mid-70s, and I'm third generation of, uh, of that, that flow, I yep. guess. Uh, and yeah, born and raised, and ended up going to, moving down to Brizzy after high school, and doing a bit of study down there, and living and moving around, but always ended up finding myself coming back to this part of tropical North Queensland. It's a good spot, isn't it? Oh, mate, it's magic. Well, the, it's just like Brisbane's only two hour flight away. Like at the end of the day, four hours, you can leave here and you can be in Brisbane. Oh, mate, you could be in Indonesia in four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. You can go there for the weekend if you want. <laughs> and plus, because, yeah, we've, Cairns is such a cool place. It's just got that international hub, so we can, you can be anywhere oh. in the world in a few hours. Mate, I, um, I went to Vanuatu a couple of months ago and flew down to Brisbane, spent a night down there, caught up with my brother who lives there and a few mates and and then I took a two hour flight from Brisbane and I was in the middle of the Pacific Islands. I was in Vanuatu, like a, a world away, like in the back of a ute and everyone's <laughs> walking around with machetes and- <laughs> Back in the tropics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought, wow, it's just, and it was literally, I left, it felt like I left Cairns that morning. Yeah. And now I'm smack bang in the middle of this remote island in northern Vanuatu. So it's, yeah, you got we've got an amazing access to, um, yeah, the southern hemisphere here. Yeah, I, you brought a bit of Vanuatu back to with you today. When I walked in, you had a big knife on hanging. Yeah, off your yeah, hips. had the had the machete there. Got the coconut on the table to um to go with a bit of dark rum, depending on how the afternoon progresses. So <laughs> they don't do Uber down here, do they? Look, uh, we've, we've got a tractor. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah, tractor and a trailer. Uvacta. Yeah, Uvacta tractor. <laughs> That's it. That'll do. We'll just go by boat to the harbour and I'll call the missus. Look, that's possible. Anything's possible this afternoon, you and I here. <laughs> <laughs> so, the yeah, we talked a bit about the family tree, the Gallagher family tree. So um, I was actually really good friends with Glenn, your, your cousin. Yeah, he's my yep. older cousin. Yeah, yep. so my, my father's got two brothers and they like run and direct our family farm at the moment. And yeah, Glenn, oh, he was... Yeah, because he's about your age, he was just a little bit older than me, so um, we never got to hang out as much as we would have liked to. But he's a he's a top lad, and yeah, um, yeah same like us, just loves life on the land. And he's a ringer. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's a ringer from the top end. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's he's doing his best. I haven't yeah. caught up with him in a while, old Glenner. You ever yeah. touch oh, base with him? I actually he pulled me up on the rails driving a tractor up the highway about probably a month or two ago oh, okay. and he put, just pulled over and had a chat to me on the side of the road there he's oh, nice. seeing his mum and dad for a weekend yeah nice man yeah so i haven't uh, before that i haven't seen him for like six years yeah, yeah right yeah. Yeah, it's like that up here everyone just gets stuck into to doing their thing yeah, yeah. but the good thing is you just get pick up where you left off yeah it's like you would have seen him last weekend yeah <laughs> there's no yeah that's when you know a good mate you just pick up where you left off yeah and that's like i've been about 10 years out of school now i think and I see mates that I haven't seen for 10 years and it's, yeah, like, like you were with them yesterday, yeah. you know what I mean, which is good. Um, but yeah, I, I, in terms of the farm and the, the family tree there and 4860, mate, I, I grew up, I'm so grateful after now being fortunate enough to travel with work and you know, having my own curiosity to travel um, you know, overseas. Mate, we got it good. Yeah. We got it so good. And it's all the little things, you know, being able to go to a beach on an afternoon. I guarantee we could go for a stroll down here on the beach here at Kuramine and 
you might see two other people yeah. on the beach. <laughs> Some people take it for granted as well. I, I live and I've got a fairly good view from my house, but I'll sit with my back to it most of the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> just used to it. Yeah. Just, it's there. Yeah. Like, you, you and I think that's, what's, for granted. That, that's what helps, help, has helped me is going away and then coming back and, and you get that really strong newfound appreciation. Yeah. You know, I, I even, because I, I spent a fair bit of time working overseas as well, I, I'd come back and even turn the, the tap on and put yeah. my head under the tap and drink it out of the tap <laughs> or um, you know, even being able to whack the hot water on, just having a yeah. good hot water shower. You know, there's so many parts of the world just very close to us that don't have access to that. So, um, or even just, yeah, fresh, abundant drinking water. Yeah. You know, well, even, <laughs> even saying that, just the abundance, my, yeah. uh, my um, family comes up from Gympie, my wife's family comes up from in that area and it's most of the time it's in drought down that way. Big so time. They all live on tank water down there, so... To piss them off, I'll just walk past the tap and turn it on and keep walking. <laughs> you see, them take a video, just let it run for a bit. <laughs> Doing cartwheels over a couch, trying to turn the tap. I was like, mate, we got plenty of this. <laughs> yeah, just pour a couple of buckets over the patio. <laughs> yeah, too right. I wish we could just give them ten percent. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all they need, like I've always said it, we get all the water. They don't get any. You go to any other parts of the world, they big make big open canals that can run the water south. It's not. At the end of the day. What it will cost not to do it is more than is what's more. going to cost to do it. Yeah, the livestock dying, you know. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about it. But yeah, I, I remember in the last year, it was a, quite a dry winter. Yeah. And I remember we had water restrictions down here and I just planted some fruit trees in my backyard and I'm there, to, <laughs> I'm there trying to sneakily put a bit of water on the trees, you know, like on sunset so they don't all die. And everyone's going, oh, you can't, can't turn your water on if you don't need it. And I'm like... Mate, you wait three months' time, everyone's going to be going, oh, there's too much rain. And, oh, and sure enough, it's yeah. been raining for six months. Cabin fever. Yeah. That's all we've got now. Yeah, man. No, so getting into the rest of it, like the free diving start, where did all that start? Yeah, well, I, so I grew up on spending a lot of my time on the farm. So dad's side was the Nana farm. Yep. And I spent a lot of time, like yourself, having a similar upbringing, walking the creeks, flicking lures, going hunting for pigs on the weekend, doing rainforest hikes. But on mum's side, I was sugarcane farming and commercial fishing. Yep. So uh, my granddad and uncle, they'd be going up to the, the Gulf of Carpentaria and they'd be doing barren salmon up there and then they'd be doing the mackerel and red emperor yep. out here and living so close to like the reef here and a lot of the fringing reefs we'd... Uh, I'd go out with my uncles and my granddad and we'd go catch some craze and started getting into a bit of spearing when I was about 10, 11, 12. Yep. And I grew up, my, the sport being swimming as well, so I was very, really comfortable in the water and loved holding my breath and you know, the natural progression for someone who grows up fishing, I guess, is you want to get down there and, and have a look for yourself, you know, check the reef out, check the fish. And uh, yeah, I guess it progressed from there. I went out, got a Got a couple of craze when I was you know, 11, 12, like swam down there and yep. got hands on and, and fell in love with, yeah, fell right. in love with, with the journey of that. Getting your first craze like the biggest deal ever. Oh, right? mate. How, how couldn't shut that? me up. <laughs> and just, and also too, it was, it's the journey of it, you know, like you, you build up, you hold your breath, you get down there, you sort of, you think you're going to kook it and it's going to flick away. And the first couple may, yeah. you know, mine did. And then you finally get one and you bring it home. <laughs> and you get to cook it up and yeah. you eat it with your hands and it's just this 
such a real feeling, you know, you feel yeah. like a real man. <laughs> it's like a bar mitzvah, it's like you're right of passage. <laughs> We've got circumcised that yeah, night. Yeah. <laughs> Drop four off and ate a cray on the fire. You're a man now, son. <laughs> Chewing gum for everyone. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But um yeah, so that I guess as I grew older, you know, I just fell in love with that, you know, the self sustainability that, that brought me and um like the physical challenge and you know, going out there and that, that started, you know, just diving the coastlines and then you started doing a couple of trips out to the reef and that was like going overseas. You know, it's like a big trip when you go, you know, when you're 12, 13, 14, going out to the reef. And then as I got, I think maybe mid-teen years, like 14, 15, 16, I started um, doing a bit doing a bit more challenging free diving and uh, getting into a bit more deeper spear fishing. you know, yeah. like going not from just two to three metres, but six to eight and then yeah. eight to 12 and you know stepping it up a little bit yeah yeah no this that's when I, I've, I've done sort of the same sort of process but i haven't got past and the depth side of things <laughs> probably <laughs> if i had to swim down max would be 20 but that's yep. down pick something up and get up yeah get up quick smart yep. around but yeah so it's probably max a minute like underwater 20's deep spearing yeah. 20's deep spearing but that's that's yeah 10 is 10 is fine yep yeah other than that it's just I haven't done none of the courses or the breathe up courses or anything like that. Never so. done a free diving course? No. So I've, 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 Do we need to link up and do some yeah, free diving? I've Googled it a lot and the yeah. breathing techniques and stuff well, like that. Well, there's so many resources out now, like on YouTube, and it's all just available there. Like, you know, do you watch any of Adam Stern's stuff? He's uh, no. He's a, one of the best Australian free diver. He's a good mate of ours, and he puts a lot of really usable, um, knowledgeable content practical stuff on on youtube it's like it's all there isn't it yeah i've, I've, good. I've been on a trip out um out the ocean with aunt judge yeah okay yeah, yeah i've met aunt judge he's a mm. oh, he's a weapon isn't he yeah he, he had like that some champion records or something yeah yeah yep. deep water 80 meters or something like that <laughs> far out <laughs> <laughs> just go out to the shelf bomb down a couple of reds yeah then you think about it it's like to swim 80 meters underwater but that's only halfway so, You've got to come back, don't you? Yeah. So you think of a town pool <laughs> and how many laps underwater you got to do there. Yeah. And then on top of that, you've got sharks, current, bait, a spear gun, potentially and, yeah. shoot a fish. <laughs> and the, the pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, under pressure right enough. But we're, we're fortunate up, up, up here. I've always said you really don't need to go more than that 10 to 12 metres. You can mm. get everything desirable in that depth. You know, yeah. you get big spanos coming up in that depth. You um, your red emperor your tuskies mm. whatever you want to spear <laughs> the old red emperor they're just like one of the most uh sought after fish and they're probably the most easiest to spear <laughs> yeah <laughs> funny how that works eh? tricky buggers to find at times yeah, yeah. up this way anyway in the warmer water but yeah when you find them geez they swim up to you and give you a headbutt <laughs> don't they? them and barramundi cod when you can spear them just like Come on, mate. Try a bit harder. Were you around when they yeah. were? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was. I was. I used to go spearing on feather. Reef, yeah, well, before, before it was before green. It was yeah, yeah, and we'd go every trip and get one or two. Mm. And now you go out there and there's so many everywhere, every rock. <laughs> yeah, I look under trying to have a look for a few whiskers. Yeah, get gotta, the craze. <laughs> you got to push them out of the yeah. way. Come on, mate. <laughs> Just give them a little nudge <laughs> to, to the side. side. Yeah, they literally don't move. No. They know. They know they're. They're <laughs> they um. They're, yeah, they're they're, they're prize property. But they. You ever, you, you, when you go down, you see them, and then they put their fins out like, oh, 
<laughs> they still they, jump, they, they eh? still jump, and they're like, okay. And like, oh, they're like, oh, here I am. Here's the rest of me. <laughs> Turn side big on. broadside. Oh, beautiful fish. They got a presence. And they always got... There's one big one and one small one that they always couple up. They made for life. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't know. I don't know if it's 100% true, but there's always one big one, one small mm. one for some reason. So yeah, oh, I'm glad. I'm glad there's a lot of them now. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of them. I, yeah. I've got this one rock out the reef where I can go there and cat, not cat. While I was, I was fishing there, I caught every no-take species you could get, <laughs> really, one after the other. Yeah, Mary Rass, Chinaman. Barricade, barricade, yeah. And I was just like, oh, I need to bring someone out here scuba diving at something like 15 meters, and they just see everything, yeah. You no, know, take species and go shoot them spot. with the camera, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice, man. Yeah. yeah, we're very, very fortunate to be able to like have that right at our doorstep oh, yeah. when we can get out. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you do the courses, the underwater courses? Yeah, so I did my free diving instructors with uh, a mate of mine, Adam Sturm, over in Indo a couple of years ago, but. I've just been that full on that I haven't really like set out and run a lot of courses. I just yeah. do it generally for mates or people who reach out to me that have got a couple of friends. And if I've got a free weekend or a free day, we'll go yeah. up to Lake Eacham or go out on the water. And I've got all the gear there. I've got the, the big boy and the ropes and the yep. lanyards and that. So, um, but yeah, mainly it's, it's a lot of its mindset mm. and a lot of it's the breathe up and getting your body and your mind in a certain state. Um, an optimal state before you you take that final breath to to descend yeah that i've noticed that like some days you go down or some when you're spearing you might have a couple of dives where you go down and you're like oh i'm not feeling it i'll come back up mm. and then you just have that one where you're like i, I could stay down here yeah i don't need to come back up yeah, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. then it just makes you think what what were those different levels and steps that yeah. you did before have, have you been able to identify that say not having done uh, like traditional courses or like a structured formal course, just observing your own yeah, diving well, in that? I just find crayfish diving is fairly easy because you can just be up and down most of yeah. the time. But I used to wear a watch and a mate told me, whatever it is, you spend under the water, you got to spend double on top. Definitely. And and then, then I'd, so I'd come up and it'd tell me straight away that, you got down, down for 45 for seconds yeah. or whatever, yeah, whatever you it was. wait yep. two minutes and yep. then just swim around and relax on top relax as much as you can yeah just try not to exert yourself when you're paddling and all that so and then that that seemed to work a whole lot yeah it was yeah. really good and that's pretty much the, the core of it is just getting nice and relaxed and feeling like just you just got to feel good before you go down and it's getting your heart rate as low as possible so that when you take that final breath, your oxygen's better utilised yeah. um, through your bloodstream so you can stay down there longer and, yeah, and deeper, ideally. Kicking and there's, even I was talking to Ant about that and he was designing his own fins and he's just, he's, was having a look at how I swam under the water and he said you, if you use more um, of your knees, yeah. your knees, you've got to keep it as, as an axis sort yep. of thing and less... Less use of oxygen and muscles. Yeah, every, even even when I go down now, I'm if say if I'm doing a deeper dive, I don't I won't think about it too much. If I'm say just in five or eight meters of water, but say if I want to go down to twenty or thirty meters and do a longer dive on the bottom, I'll be going to the to how much I'm straining my neck, how much I'm turning my head, what my fingers are doing. Yeah, like everything will play a really big part in. It's <laughs> a big deal. Yeah, isn't it? like huge because every single movement is using a certain amount of oxygen. So you need to be incredibly yeah. mindful with what you're doing with your body. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy that. And just the um, well, leading up to that day, that oh yeah, the, definitely the, the day that pretty much what you reckon changed your life. I reckon it was it was definitely one of the most defining days of my life that I had um, the my my sh- a shallow water blackout definitely. Um, so yeah, I guess talking about in terms of like free diving training, I'd up until that point I'd never done any free diving knowledge per se. I'd yep. just done hell of a lot of spearing and yeah, I can talk you through the day. It was well, actually I watched the video. Oh, on you it did. You, and, oh. You've seen what's <laughs> how, it? Exhale. Yeah, yeah. How beautiful. What, what sort of it was a magical day? Oh, it was one of those. <laughs> it was a quintessential, perfect like October day yeah. on the ocean. Yeah, not a. It was like a lake. The ocean mm. was just a pond. It was incredible. Uh, zero knots, blue skies, not a cloud. Um, and we headed out to Linden Bank, Linden Banks off Cairns, doing some blue water spearing, chasing Spanish and dogtooth tuna and wahoo. Yep. And yeah, I went out there with. Uh, crew of crew of fellas all quite at the time inexperienced um but at the same time made up for it uh, we thought with enthusiasm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i would have been probably 20 at the time yeah 20 so still very very young um and yeah ba- basically the the core of the matter knowing what i do now was just uh, the, the first couple of hours of the day was just a lot of big dives like sub 20 like 18 to 22 meters um, probably not as having not not having as much or not paying any attention to surface intervals um, and I had it was, it was a red hot day as well you know yeah. when you get those really fishy days where it's yeah. just every drift it's on yeah. you know and there's big currents big sharks a lot of bait a lot of fish coming yeah. through so. so the heart rate's up a bit more yeah heart rate's up and and uh, yeah you know we're, we're doing deep dives in the blue and then when we, come, we came so I think what exerted my body particularly in that morning is that I got a trout snagged at about 23 meters and i did a couple of big dives trying to get that out yep. straight off the bat and like obviously that plays a part in um like getting your body to a point of exhaustion <laughs> and then you find out who your friends are the yeah. ones that are going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> everyone's like well, anyway <laughs> mate uh, you're on your own here now um but yeah luckily at that at that point i was i was diving with a couple of guys who had done um, like some free diving safety uh, in the months leading up to that and yeah, basically we we're on a on a drift and it was my my dive and a dog tooth came in on the flasher yep. which was the like the yeah. pinnacle the target species for the for the day and for many spiros especially for us pretty new into blue water mm. and swam down it was probably a you know, like a 10 12 kilo model so huge for me at the time but yep. in retrospect a pup uh, but <laughs> swam down and, and it just wasn't playing the game. You know, every, every dive on a dog tooth is very different for anyone who's hunted them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I swam down and I'm just charging towards it, charging towards it. And I had in my mind where I could feel myself, yep, I need to, I need to turn around now. I was probably at 18, 19 meters swimming diagonally towards it. And I thought, yep, all right, I'm done. I'm <laughs> and sort of sort of surrendered the dive but in that moment where I decided I'm going to hit the service it just did a full 180 and charged towards me and I thought oh you beauty and instantly in that moment your head just goes to, to hunt mode yeah it goes <laughs> boop like back I'll switch on yeah. I'm hunting it and it just the, the need to, br- uh, to breathe just sort of became a became not as important as yeah. it once was so it's anyway, a dog tooth yeah, man yeah. <laughs> it's a dog tooth man you don't need to breathe yet uh, so yeah I, it, it charged towards me and I thought oh you beauty and 
coming in, I, I lined it up and just whack, took a perfect shot behind the, um, the back of the neck and it took off like a freight train, didn't stone it unfortunately and, and as I was coming up, it was like, there's a lot going on when you shoot a fish like that mm. and uh, like the fucking, I look up and the float's just getting you know, skull dragged along the surface and uh, it's heading towards the reef and I'm thinking, oh no, it's going to get reef and we're going to lose a shaft and this and that and anyway, I started pumping at the surface and I could feel uh, a tingling in my legs and I knew that I was in a little bit of strife then because that meant that, uh, you know, your, your oxygen is running to your, to your heart yeah. <laughs> and leaving your extremities. So, I, uh, yeah, that was really the last thing I remember. And then following that, it was, yeah, waking up in the, in the boat. Yeah. Waking up in the boat. So I was unconscious for at least five minutes and I was fortunate enough that um, I was getting spotted by one of my best mates and partner in crime in, with Back to Basics. It was a Jack. Yeah, Jack Strickland, yep. old Stricky. And, uh, and he was there and he sort of turned around. He was on the float line fighting the fish and he turned around, saw me coming up. And then he started fighting the fish again. And in my peripherals, he just sort of saw me still in the same position. I hadn't hit the surface and he yeah. turned around. He just let go of everything, came over, got me to the surface. And, and that's when, um, yeah, in that video, you see that footage yeah. just like, wake up, wake up, which whoa, for years, it was really hard to watch. Yeah. I just couldn't, you, know, you can imagine watching oh. footage of yourself mm. dying essentially um, after drowning. And uh yeah, fortunately enough, he he gave me a few big pashes, <laughs> a few big uh, big kisses of life, and threw a heap of air into me, and um, a couple of big coughs up of of water, and I came to thankfully. Yeah. But um, mate, I can definitely say it was it was the most defining point in time in my life, um, in many regards. I, I woke up, I came to in the boat, and I was very confused and. I couldn't breathe, like my lungs were full of water and it was, yeah. and oh, I just, I haven't really thought about it too much in a few years, but um, I, I remember coming to and trying to just take a big breath and I couldn't, and it was as if I was drowning but out of water, yep. if you know what I mean, I was coughing up just foamy blood and it was gnarly, yep. and it just everything hurt and my head was pounding and and I'm looking around and I'm going, what happened? And they're like, you've blacked out, you've blacked out. And there was, was a lot happening at the time because I think my fish was still, someone was still fighting my fish. Yep. The fish was still on. And another guy had seen a sailfish in the water and yep. it was a hell of a lot of commotion. But I jumped, jumped in the boat and I was sitting there just sort of very dazed and confused. And then one of the boys threw the dog tooth in. So I had like this dog tooth <laughs> that had just blacked me out. <laughs> sort of flopping around at my feet. And they're like, oh yeah, let's get a quick photo, away. Eh? Like, yeah, you made it. And I was just like... <laughs> the fuck is happening <laughs> yes 20 year olds yeah yeah i know there was like no empathy or like compassion around the situation at the time it was like yep he's alive you little beauty here's the fish mate well done i'm like whoa like, who's going who's got next door yeah like because literally like my in my head i just pulled the trigger on that fish yeah. and now i was in the boat i couldn't really breathe i was coughing up blood and the fish was in my hands i'm yeah. like wow this is i don't know what the hell's going on here and uh, yeah, then from there, I, we, we couldn't get reception out and I, I was in a pretty bad way, yep. as you can imagine. And I was obviously very scared because I'd heard of um, the yeah. problems that can go wrong mm. when you've got a hell of a lot of water in your lungs, which yep. I could, as I breathe, like took breaths, I could hear gargling inside yep. me in my lungs. And I was like, oh, geez. So anyway, I 
much to the uh, the annoyance I'm sure of the boys they didn't want to, it was like 10 or 11 a.m they wanted a couple more hours of diving but uh yeah obviously that became second priority yeah. and we we boosted back in we got on the two-way and tried to get a chopper out to us but I think someone on that day out of the reef got stung by an Irukandji so yeah. the chopper was getting used for someone with an Irukandji very inconvenient yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very uh, uh but um yeah got got back in went to the ER and um yeah went in there and they ran all the all the tests on me and sort of stabilized me and all that and um I I just remember though that it was very it was a, a very new thing that they'd seen like no one really yeah. knew they'd only ever dealt with scuba diving yeah. issues free diving's obviously still a, especially at that time spearing and free diving was not it hadn't blown up as much yeah. as it had now and there wasn't much media or awareness or like well, they're, they're probably treating different like treating the bends and stuff like that exactly yeah so have. they they started going on how long were you under and you know had you done your recovery dive like asking me all these scuba diving related <laughs> questions and i'm like you don't get it like i was free diving i was skin diving i was i didn't have any breathing apparatus so i became quite frustrated um at that but at the same time you know i knew that i was i was there and I was alert and awake but um, at the same time still quite scared because I didn't know what effect that had had on my uh, my internal and my my brain especially because yeah. I'd been hypoxic for so long yeah. so um, yeah I guess for anyone listening if you haven't um, heard of what causes a shallow water blackout it's hypoxia so getting your your brain runs out of oxygen essentially and that's so to, to keep the heart alive the last bit of oxygen just comes from the brain down to the heart and yeah. then whoosh just went to sleep um but yeah it and I, I was very just dazed and confused and i couldn't think straight because when you when your brain doesn't have oxygen for that long it's not, <laughs> you should know being in the um in the fight game you know like when you when you knock out for a while you come back just a bit boy <laughs> yeah there's i don't get to see too many in the club we're pretty good in the club not putting people to sleep that's good <laughs> Yeah, you got to learn to tap early and tap often. That's yeah, our well, motto um, at the club. <laughs> essentially, I tap myself out for a bit longer than I um, would have liked to. But yeah, the next, I remember the next 24 hours and well, like the, the months after that was very much a difficult journey for myself. And it was a, a big journey of like reflection. And, um, you know, I, I guess at the time I had... I would have had a form of PTSD, mm. I guess, where I'd have nightmares of drowning and nightmares of dying and like being gasping for breath and being out of breath and I'd wake up, you know, covered in sweat, <gasps> looking for air and yeah. I didn't go in the water for months and when I did, it was really difficult and yeah, a lot a lot played on me mentally and um, I remember the, the 24 hours after, and I guess this this comes into like why it was such a defining moment in my life, um, not only as a Spiro and a hunter and someone who spends a lot of their life and time and for work pleasure underwater. Was I, was, I remember just sitting in the hospital alone there, sort of in a state of confusion and pain, just crying and just the tears rolled down my face and I just couldn't stop crying. And, and it all just, it all just flooded into me just how, special and beautiful life is just yeah. being alive and having opportunity and friends and vision and hearing and taste and all these things that mm. obviously we take, take for granted because yeah. we can do it every day and it's just you know it's just another day a breath wow a breath you know we don't even think about breathing mm. but when you 
when you're fighting for your breath and you're fighting for your life and you're sort of in your hands, there's a very strong potential that you, you know, like if, if my mate wasn't looking, if Strick wasn't looking at me yeah. for say five more seconds, I would have, like I, yeah, I let all my air out and mm. I'm, I'm negatively down. buoyant. I'm just sucking water in, trying to breathe underwater. Mm. And, you know, there was huge bull sharks under us and, you know, it was about 50 metres deep where yep. we were. So I would have just been out of sight, gone, yeah. wouldn't have been able to lift me up. So like just how life can change and how fragile life is just within a few split seconds mm. really, really just hit home for me everything that I thought was a big deal. Yep wasn't a big deal mm. you know what i mean like, yeah like, I, I tend to think of it as like you, everyone gets trapped up in their life you can see life which is easy to do life's yeah. busy you know yeah. and everyone's just worried about all the little things and there's there's one good little picture i seen not long ago it was this bloke sitting on a bench with his dog mm. and there's bubbles above the bloke's head work travel marriage kids sure. all that all the things and the, the dog's bubble above his head was him and his owner yeah. <laughs> like, we're here. Yeah. We're here. We're now. This is all that matters. Yeah. And it was yep. just like that just makes you look look, look uh, the way you reflected on, on stuff. Yeah. And then I'd see the way you look back at stuff. Like you can step, like just being a, a drone, go 50 meters above yourself. Yeah. Life is a whole different thing. You're not, you're not in your head. You can see what's going on around you. It's yeah. different things are moving. Yeah. I, I very much after that became... A much more patient person, accepting, tolerant. I very rarely got, I used to get quite angry at things and in perspective, it's like, that's not worth getting angry over, you yeah. know, like, and I, I became a lot more selective with what I put my time and energy into. So yeah, it really, it really helped me reframe my life and my attitudes towards how I live and what I want to do with, you know, this life. You know, if I, if I only got one shot at it, yeah. how do I want to live it? Mm. So, you know, you want to live it doing what you love and being around, you know, being around your mates and yeah. doing good things, keeping it real and uh, not taking things too seriously, living in the moment. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it, but it, it was more than just, you know, you hear all these things and you hear it, uh, you know, you, you might read books about it or hear it, you know, people saying, oh, you really got to live in the moment, man. And, you know, now's all that exists. Yeah. And yeah, that's all true. But like, you really got to feel that. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And the, and the thing is, to feel it, you have to experience something. Yeah, which <laughs> and it, there, was, there was a there's a part of me where I've thought of like, oh, I wish I wish everyone could have that sort of experience. Then I'm like, oh, it's not a great thing to wish on people because it's really, really quite intense <laughs> and traumatic <laughs> on so many levels. Like, I really can't exaggerate how intense of an experience yeah. it was to go through that, and also now in the last six years, still you know having the confidence to go back in the water and even now do deeper dives and more sort of extreme spearing in other locations around the world. Um, you know, I've, I've been involved with you know, other, other issues, you know, yep. whether it's you know, sharks or, you know, really rough oceans and um, other blackouts, sambas, mm. all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, t <laughs> d definitely takes the yeah, getting caught in the middle of it to, yeah. to have that time to reflect on it and grow from it. Yeah, I haven't had any experience in life. I have, have had experiences in my life where it makes you reflect, though. So sure. Yeah, it's really good. You had any, any near, near deaths? No, maybe some stuff on the farm that OHS sure. doesn't want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, like, just lift it, like in the olden days, we used to just lift ton bags yeah. above a thing, get in under it, and then yeah. sometimes that bag might slip off. And, yeah, too, right. And just, and, and just miss you. Just, yeah. yeah. Like, if that... I'm stuck. And then you think, 
fuck, I've got no one around me. If that falls off of this, no one here to stop this. Yeah. Or help help me yeah. get out from underneath it. Yeah. Yeah, working under machinery yeah. and under tractors. And Literally. I guess even in life, like a, an everyday one that I guess people could relate to is, say, walking across a road, mm. like almost getting like almost getting hit by a, yeah. a car. Like think about like on, on something I think about often is when you're on a highway, because people say to me, oh, you're so, aren't you scared of sharks? Don't you ever see sharks out there? And I'm like, like if you saw half the sharks, <laughs> a fraction of the sharks that we ran into, uh, you know, sometimes you look down, there's a hundred there. Yeah. Um, but I get more scared driving on the roads. Yeah. When you think about it, there's a car coming 100 kilometers an hour. Top speed. A, a meter away from you. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, that scares the life out of me, Fed. Like every, every time one goes past you, that's, you know, in a sense, yeah. a potential. But, well, know, that's what someone said. They said define stupidity. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Inventing a place where t- two objects can pass each other, so potentially 200 kilometres mm. an hour when they meet. Yeah, <laughs> within with, one metre of each yeah, other. Yeah, with you know, with <laughs> and it being very difficult to regulate who at that point in time is driving what yeah. and how under the influence of what and how. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And uh, like we all seen it. There's not some. There's not many good drivers in this world. No. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> you just think, how did like how did this person get that? License? That's why I try and walk or swim as many places as I can. <laughs> Take the boat, less traffic. <laughs> well, that's um, that's and yeah, that, that's funny. Hey, that's good. One of the other things I love living here four eight six zero is that, mate, I could put the boat in here and go to mission. Yeah, you know what I mean. Go to mission for a beer or go down there for lunch. Yeah, I do a yoga class down at mission sometimes, yep. and if the weather's nice, we'll I'll put the boat. the boat in and just go because <laughs> it takes me five minutes in the boat, but thirty minutes in the car because <laughs> I got to go back onto the highway. <laughs> They're all waiting in the car park. You're like, he's not here. And you're already stretched up, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. I swim, swim in, change the boardies, anchor out the front. Yeah, you might get a bit of rash going if you don't change the boardies. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, eh? Go on my DTs. <laughs> no, so, so with um, after all that, how did Jack take all that as well? Because he he was main part bringing you back. He would he would have a bit of pressure. Yeah, he um, PTSD on that. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, but like it was something that luckily I survived it. Yep. Uh, I think that was a big one. I know mm. the biggest for him would have had to been. Yeah. You know, imagine having to call like my parents, who he's close, very yep. close with, and saying, "Hey, like." as didn't come back today yeah you know what i mean like that was a very real it was a, a very big reality within a few seconds which could have involved them coming back without me mm. and i've just i'm i'm at the bottom of the oh, bottom of the ocean. the ocean there's no getting you there's no no way you. no way i would have been i would have been part of the food chain so yeah, yeah it was something that we both worked work through together you know like it's spending spending time talking about it and reflecting on it and you know being grateful for each other and our friendship and our time in the water and and uh yeah definitely made us um, incredibly close as mates um i think it made everyone that i knew and that i loved uh, very close to me because i just became so much more grateful for for life and friendship and you know like yeah the people around me but yeah, he was. It was. He was incremental in helping get helping me get back in the water and feeling safe doing it. So, yeah, and we and we both took it on on ourselves to like really become a lot safer divers. Yeah, you know, always diving in in pairs or in threes, and um, always keeping an eye on each other and really getting to know the like physiology that happens behind free diving mm-hmm. and behind spearing. So, 
yeah, I'm grateful for it because not only that I'm alive and I, I learned um, huge a, a huge perspective shift from it, but um, it, it forced me to really dive into the safety behind the sport that we yeah. we love or the lifestyle that we live. And it's probably, I reckon, 90% of Spiros don't do this, aren't as safe as, or even half as safe as what you'd be. Which I, I find when I go out, we're which, not even yeah. half as safe as what, what we should be. Yeah. And I try to always dive in a... Uh, pair and, and have a buddy Man, and stuff. I, I know what it's like. It's easy to just, you know, when you're on one side of the rock, off, the yeah. goes the other side and then you look up, oh, they're 100 metres away. Easy to do. Yeah. It's really easy to do. Um, I try to, now I try to just say like, I'll stay up, you go down. When you come up, I'll go down and sort of yeah. just share, that, share the rock sort of thing. Or? Yeah. And, you know, even, even since then, I've seen so many, so many people black out or close to blackout or you know get caught under rocks or have you know different different free diving or spearing accidents and injuries and it's a lot of it's just due to you're not having either someone there or having a bit of mindfulness around what's safe practice which and and really just takes a weekend Mm. and not only can you double your breath hold double your depth in a lot of cases but uh yeah you just become incredibly safe and observant in the water so i highly recommend it anyone listening (laughs) getting used to the contractions that's probably the hardest one yep which again can can be trained eh? that's just your time in the pool or time holding your breath and letting contractions become your friend yeah you know what i mean someone said once you get comfortable with them yeah you can dive a hole and i just when that contraction starts i'm like oh fuck i want out of here yeah and (laughs) and a lot of it's mental too because you think contraction i need to breathe now when really that's not the case you know you may you know you're only 40 or 60 percent in yeah, it's not your body running out of oxygen, it's your body filling up with more carbon dioxide, isn't it? Correct, yeah. So, so the contractions are the response to the carbon dioxide building in your body, but yep. obviously it's got to build a hell of a lot more to get to the point of hypoxia. Yeah. But uh, yeah, even just a, a couple of simple ones would be like not only getting, getting nice and relaxed and getting in a good mental and physical frame before a dive, but a little one I do is I always smile before a big dive yep. because smiling like triggers your brain to just think like happy nice peaceful yep. uh, thoughts so yeah. I'll, I'll sort of as I take my final breath I'll give myself a little bit of a smile <laughs> and just to sort of zone out <laughs> I'm like oh it's all gonna be good it's okay and really I'm, you know, I'm in 25 knots getting surged <laughs> around with a heap of sharks under me <laughs> uh, but yeah there's um, yeah lot, lots that can be yeah. can be done to get your body in an optimal state I've heard another one of where if you wet the back of your eyelids or something, it it um, triggers the mammalian yeah, re- reflex. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. So I was taught, and I'm sure a lot of free diving centers would teach this: is that before you jump in the water, take your mask off and just jump in the water, so that your lips and your eyelids are exposed to the water, because that triggers what's called the mammalian reflex, which yep. all mammals have, um, and. Yeah, that, that that helps your body get in an optimal state to be able to um, be able to free dive. Yeah, essentially. Um, yeah, if you look into more mammalian reflex, it's just incredible incredible how the body adapts once yeah. given you know one or two minutes um, exposure to to water, um, and and just finding the right breathe up for your body mm. is really big because everyone's got different different physiology and every, everyone has something different that'll work for them like for me for instance i'm very sensitive to um, becoming uh, hyperventilating yeah 
So for me, I need to have almost like tidal breaths before I do a free dive instead of the conventional, say, three in, six out or four in, eight out. Like I used to do like three in and then 10 out or like really long breaths, but that was making it longer for me to get my contractions. Yeah. So I have the breaths that I would before I'd go to sleep. Yeah. Just really, really surface breaths. And then my final one will be a mammoth breath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had one fellow said you gulp air. You actually gulp it. You should try to breathe it. And then, and then when you've got more, then mm. try to bite more. And Yeah, that's called packing, which like... I wouldn't just go doing packing straight yep. off the bat because that can overexpand your lungs. It's actually quite dangerous, and yep. I'd only, yeah, I personally wouldn't recommend it unless yep. you'd, uh, like, you've you've had like a fair bit of free diving training. Yep. But yeah, there's there's lots of different tips and tricks. Yeah, I've heard hyperventilating is probably one of the worst ones to do because it gets you more comfortable and everything. But oh, it, you'll feel great. Your, your contractions <laughs> aren't there, and then, then no, all they'll, of a sudden they'll yeah, they'll come in at say eighty percent of your dive. You'll get contractions, yeah. you'll, and in your head you go, oh, oh I'm halfway, <laughs> and then boom, yeah. lights out. <laughs> so yeah, it's a different world, the old free diving. Yeah, it? it certainly is. It's but it's it's one that it's one that we love, you know. And I'm sure I love it for very similar reasons that you and yeah. everyone else listening who've who've done it loves it is that when you're under there it's just you're just disconnected from all the clutter yeah you know what i mean it's just you're just you <laughs> in the, the ocean the popping oh. and crackling of all the yeah reef. yeah yeah <laughs> everything having a chew yeah. <laughs> so, and um what sort of gear do you use like do you have a special brand or anything like that you like to use mate or? i'm um as long as i'm warm in the water yeah. it's a big one for me yeah. so i've got a decent wetty yeah um i just use either a, a good set of fiberglass or carbon fins or a comp a composite comp- of both yeah. yeah like good long free diving fins that are medium i don't like too yeah. soft because yeah. i find i just i'm trying to pump up and i don't get anywhere yeah. <laughs> and i like being able to get to the surface yeah. when i want but um uh, yeah, I find it's it's hugely personal preference for that stuff. But in terms of um, wetty up here, I'm I'm generally most of the year round either just three mil full yep. or just a three mil top yep. and boardies. But I like wearing like as least gear as possible, so mm-hmm. like the least amount of weight I need to, the least amount of things, because yeah. I like being really streamlined and free yep. in the water. Yeah, but I, I um, most of the year I'll just wear like a uh, rash. Yeah, rashy top. Yeah, yeah nice. or, or just like the whole stinger style suit. Yeah, yep. And because I just find, and then in the winter, like now it'll be probably a yeah, three mil suit. Yep. And what 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 guns are you running? Do you do you buy into the the uh, roller technology? These no. rollers or? Well, I'm, at the moment, I've just got a double rubber Rob Allen, and it's mate like, hard to go wrong. No, like I I just find the longer the gun, the easier the shot. Give <laughs> 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 me a one eight with double rubbers. <laughs> I don't need to leave the surface. <laughs> yeah, well, that gets me down to 20. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Swim down to 10, it's a 20 meter shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I like. And I've had got friends and brother than that that's got roller guns and I've had a couple of shots and mm. just the load, actual loading of them is a pain in the ass as well. Mm. Just getting the, the They take longer the to load, spot. yeah. And um, yeah, and they got a lot of, lot of power mm. for a shorter gun. Yeah. But I just... I find a bit more length and the rubbers I've had this Rob Allen gun for about five years I haven't changed rubbers yet really I'm, and I'm just like that's good I'm, I'm trying to find what I think they're Rob Allen rubber but well, you need to go spearing a yeah. bit more often <laughs> 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 but I'll probably average what probably 10 trips a year 
Yeah, okay. And and still, this rubber's perfect still. And I'm just like, I've never had that before. Usually three, four months. Yeah, that blue Rob Allen rubber's yeah. good stuff. I've had mine last a long time as well, mm. a couple of years. But I always throw my, if I'm not, if I'm, or oh, hopefully it doesn't get to this, but if I'm ever out of the water for a couple of months, yep. I'll throw everything in the freezer. Yeah. There's no oxygen. And um, powder, baby powder. Yeah, baby powder's good. Yeah. yeah, whatever cuts the oxygen off from them. Yeah. That's what buggers them. But uh, yeah, I find it, yeah, I get a lot of people messaging us, you know, what, what do we use best in terms of like guns and brands and that. But uh, yeah, I find it just depends the diving you're doing. You know, a good all-rounder is a, a one-one. One one to one three, yep. you know. But if I'm diving dirty coastal water, you know, like a ninety roller or ninety yep. double bands, good for your barras, your finger mark, your, yep. your trout, and you can still you know, get up under holes and that. Yep. But out at the reef, yeah, one a one three roller or one four double rubbers, awesome for reefies and yeah. and big spanos. Used to use uh, air air guns, the Merez bloody Serranos. Yeah, used to use them a fair lot, and then. As soon as you go to a, a roll, a, a, like a straight gun, rubber, <laughs> yeah. you're like, this is cheating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it went from about a 50% thing to like 90%. Yeah. Like, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Strike rate. Yeah, strike rate. I was just like, this is cheating. I know, it, all the gear's just getting that good. Yeah. Even even all the sounding equipment on the oh. boat, all the electronics, <laughs> you know, it's unbelievable. Yeah, if you have a look at my Insta story today, I would took my little boat up the river and it's got side scan and all that I don't even know how to use it <laughs> but like, you got it yeah, just in case it's amazing yeah. <laughs> it's like lures they catch more fishermen than bloody fish yeah oh 100% <laughs> we um Strick was sending me photos of him catching a few GTs out on the reef the other day and he's like oh I can't I think he cast it and well, like a mackerel snipped him off but he could see the lure just floating and you know the yeah. poppers and lures these days you know <laughs> between whatever 30 and 120 bucks yeah. a pop or whatever it is and he said they were just all these fish were frenzying and he just he's driving over he's like we've got to get the lure we've got to get the lure it was a real nice handmade timber job and it just boofed something just boofed it and swam off and he's like oh shit there's 100 bucks <laughs> gone yeah no the old yeah so What's your best place to spear? Oh, best place to spear. For any particular species? All right, we'll go. Cray, trout, and then deep water fish. All right. Crays. Oh, the big crays out on the just the closest reefs off here. Yeah. You know, I've done I've done a sort of I've done a fair bit of diving like in terms of cray country from like Nelson Bay to Cooktown. Yep. So a fair bit along the east coast and done a bit of diving over like PNG and through the Pacific Islands for craze. But at certain times of the year, it's, it's pretty hard to beat off here, yeah. like this section of the, the Great Barrier Reef. And it's where the Great Barrier Reef comes closest in is yep. between here and, yeah. and the Daintree. Cooktown, yeah, yeah <laughs> Cooktown. So um, yeah, just good, nice coastal dives here, which are getting a little bit more sus to do. Mm. Um, given a crocodilians. yeah, the, the crocodilians, the old, the big lizards. But <laughs> you know, adapt and overcome. But we, uh, yeah, we you know, we go out to the reef here, and yeah, up in the shallows in those lagoons, those isolated rocks in you yeah. know, one to three meters of water. You check a few few white bombies up there, you'll yeah. find some good craze. Yeah, I've got um, uh, special rocks. Yeah, I've got a that always rock that yeah. I dive for, and, yep. and if they, I'm not telling anyone what they look like. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be describing or disclosing. Yeah, no, uh, flat top, uh, flat top brain coral. So what reef in particular? Um, this one's feather. No, <laughs> <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, I heard it's good country through there. <laughs> yeah, I just find the ones with the flat top and yeah. the curved edges yep. in about probably one to three metres. Yep. You're pretty much guaranteed something. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I find as, as long as there's that nice... And you, you can see, like, at the front of the rocks where crays have been you yeah. know you can see the holes where they've been in there and they're you know ripping apart stuff and you know yeah. digging around and they've created like a little a little hidey hole for themselves <laughs> but um yeah the, oh, the crays are beautiful i just i love the colors of them i mm. love i love the taste of them <laughs> crayfish pasta oh dude crayfish everything yeah, yeah. i had one yesterday afternoon with a few mates over we did a fire in the backyard and yep. just yeah thawed one out i think i've got two left in the freezer there um yeah. thawed the last couple out and we cooked them up on the fire oh nice beautiful picked a lime off the neighbor's tree <laughs> <laughs> didn't know no nah, not a chance <laughs> <laughs> left the, left the chassis in his yard yeah, yeah left in the head <laughs> no but uh but yeah in terms of coral trout um well, uh, depth and depth and area yeah, yeah so i'm i'm generally i'm looking for i guess what like the live trout boys would look for when they're looking for like a good a good trout rock is you know finding current that's hitting a pressure point so especially it's really easy to find on those clean days you know mm. where you can see the bait just on the top, top. of the water and yeah. you just go find the bait mm. swim down in the trout sometimes they'll be mid-water you know yeah. say if it's 15 meters on the bottom i've seen trout up to five meters or yeah. eight meters just swimming through the bait and they'll they're an inquisitive fish so yeah. they'll swim right up to you but yeah depth wise obviously trout are good because you can find them anywhere between half a meter <laughs> and 50 meters <laughs> so yeah, my pro probably preferred would be like that. Like if I could find a ledge that's on like 15 to 18 meters, that like a hard ledge that's got sort of undercut holes and caves and a bit yeah. of rubble and structure that bait holds on that drops down to about, you know, another 10 meters past yeah. that, then that's prime time. They're always on that nice. Yeah, they'll just, just be on the, there. just be yeah. on the edge. And, you know, if you can burly them up or flash them, um, and then at the same time, then you're in a prime zone to get spanos and that coming yeah. through. Um, you know, big trevally. Um, do you dust up for them? Yeah, yeah, we do a lot of lot of burley, and I make yeah. it rain. <laughs> <laughs> Burling and even dust on the sand. Oh, on the bottom, yeah, yeah. I'll flick sand for mainly if I know it's an area where I'll have tuskies, yeah, spangled emperor. I'll I'll flick sand. Yep. I'll. Sometimes I'll go down and I'll, I'll grab a piece of coral that's, or a rock that's lying on the bottom and I'll scratch that yep. on a little bit of rock. That gets a lot of different species in. You, know, you get yep. your mangrove jacks getting very curious, your red emperor, um, a lot of your emperors, um, even Spanish, you yep. know, banging your gun. Yeah. Like a big one for me, if I know if it looks like good Spanish territory, I'll just go and sit down like just to the side of the bait or in the middle of the bait and just bang my gun, strum yep. my rubbers, bang my gun, yeah. strum my rubbers. And then just keep, always keep my chin down and I'll keep my eyes down and then I'll just do slow scans. Yep. Just scan, scan. And so often they've come over the top of me or come into the side of me or yep. yeah, they get very curious. Yeah, I didn't know that one, the eyes one. They probably, yeah. Yeah, Spanos a bit, and Wahoo. Spanish yep. Wahoo, really big with eye contact. Yep. They don't like eye contact. So I'll, I'll sort of look away look yep. away from them, look away from them. And then when they, they'll swim away a bit. And then once they get curious and come back in, then you can close the gap on them. Yeah. Mm. I've probably shot 30 Spanish in my life and kept about five. They have just tear yeah. off. Where are you I'm shooting them? Where you, well, what, I'm, what's I'm your preferred aim, shot placement? I'm trying to aim. In the head. <laughs> trying to aim just behind their head, sort of that, the special sweet stone spot. Yep. 
but it's always hitting the guts. <laughs> <laughs> and another gut shot. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I generally, if I, if I know I can get a stone shot, I'll try to get behind the eye, but yeah, generally between those back dorsals yep. and the big meaty, meatiest part. But yep. a good tip I got from a, a guy who'd do, done a lot of blue water spearing through his life was shoot your, your big blue water species. And I, I do this for a lot of fish, is shoot them on a 45 degree angle. Yeah, from behind them. So, because if you're shooting them side on, it, it's they a turn. yeah they can they can rip it out a lot bigger. Yeah, uh, and make it like a bigger hole for them to yep. to rip that shaft out. So but you got more meat. Yeah, yeah, you, you're through more of the fish. So, yeah, I I'm I'm really selective now with when I like take that shot because I've just seen such good fish like <laughs> rip off it. and go away, and then and like the sharks will die. get them. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> but in saying that, I got a Mary Sea perch the other day, and I shot. Oh, a handful of fish over the last few years that I've seen have been shot yeah. and have healed over, yeah. like in their guts or behind their neck. Yeah, it's yeah remarkable that they've just got like this look like a deformity, but yep. it could only be that a shark's hit them or a shaft's hit them and yep. they've ripped out. Ooh. Mm. So the old Mary Sea perch is probably one of the most under under known and mm. underestimated eating fish. It's they're a yeah, oh, and they do, and they just look incredible. I love the colours on them. Yeah, mm. but I rarely you rarely see them off here. You, you get a lot up like Daintree, Cooktown yeah. way. They got a bigger eye too. Mm. Really? Yeah. yeah, I think I've got two, two ever here off Kermine, and I've seen one off Innisfail. But I've got a rock where I've there's one there, and every time I go there, he's there, and I just can't bring myself to shoot it. I'm like, oh, that's no, like my friend, uh, and they're Johnny boy. Like, hey, you're looking good. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I can't bring myself to. Oh, he's too beautiful. <laughs> now this is podcast all brought to you by Great Northern. <laughs> brought to you by the White Marlins. <laughs> the White Marlins. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah, they're going down nicely, mate. Thanks for bringing a beer. Yeah, too easy. Always got to have a beer on this podcast. Well, it is. It is Sunday afternoon. <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of football in the mix. <laughs> no, so um, so we talked about attracting fish and stuff. So your setup and gear, but um, what about travelling and stuff like that? Where and your just the other side of things away from spearing, you do sure. a lot of hiking and yeah. So I've I've only in the last few years got a bit more into a bit more into my hiking and and land stuff because I'd spent so much time on and in the water. Uh, I sort of went away from I guess the the nature, the land nature that I grew up in, the rainforests mm. and the, the valleys and the creeks and streams. So I started revisiting that a bit more because I wanted to, you know, I just wanted to reconnect with that. Yeah. But yeah, I guess my, the other side of my life away from spearing and life here in 4860 is I, I, I did three years working with the tour company, Contiki, yep. over in Southeast Asia. So I spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia through... Oh, like Vietnam, Indo, Laos. My mother's um, actually up there right oh, now. Oh, true. Yeah. Traveling or? Yeah, traveling. Yeah, yeah. nice. Where's yeah. she through Indo or? Yeah. Um, Vietnam. Is it? What's it? Cambodia. Cambodia. Yeah. Yep. Just, I think she was on the border yep. when she rang me. They bring a boat out to the boat and they go through all the passports yeah, and okay. send them on their way. Oh, nice. Down the Mekong River or whatever. It yeah, yep. Down the Mekong. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good so for her. She'll be she's having at. a mad time. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah, that, I'm very, very much. Um, like connected with that part of the world it's very very close to me I've spent a lot of time there not at 
only for work, but when I was really young, I was fortunate enough that mum being a travel agent, she always used to get you know, crazy deals with flights yep. back when ANSET was a thing yeah. and, you know, we'd cruise over to Bali or, I mean, she'd take us on little little trips over to that part of Asia and, yeah, we've just got lots of, like, close family friends over there now and I've got mates, um, expats who live over there from all over the world that have, you know, they call Bali their home or Bangkok yeah. and so every time I go through, it's, it's great to reconnect with, you know, people that um, yeah, I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Local cool. knowledge is good. Oh, massive. And yeah, that's, I think that's one reason, obviously, I, I love it so much is because I get to see a certain side of it that the you wouldn't get thing. if you're just going for a week mm. and you're just flying in blind. So yeah, it's yeah, very, very grateful for that. They've got uh, a friend over there now, actually. Yeah, it was one of the podcasts. Noel Higgins, he's, he's living in Bali for a year or so. He's just, just going to... Just down tools for a year and oh, good on him. Give his wife a crack. His wife and kids over there. So are they like put the kids in school? And yeah, they've looked at putting kids in school oh, over there awesome. and that. So and are they doing like work over there? Or are they just no, taking a year off and doing even, yeah, having a gap year? Yeah, <laughs> good on them. <laughs> well, it's yeah. a beautiful. It's it's a perfect place to do it. And I find the likes of Bali is you can. We we're talking about this the other day actually with a couple of mates. Is that you can get whatever you want out of going there you know whether you want to go have a die hard party trip or a super health trip or go and do yoga or yep. go and have a cultural immersion it's whatever you want to make it yep mm. no I'd definitely need to get into some yoga <laughs> <laughs> surely you do a lot of stretching with your uh, jiu jitsu unintentional mm. stretching <laughs> Okay. All right, everyone, stretch for five. Oh, no, it's, it's when the, someone gets your oh, leg and puts it out of the back yes. end. <laughs> Someone's manipulating your body. Yeah, yeah we sh actually, I should do a whole lot more. And I, I did do yoga for about six months every morning for work, and it yeah. made me a whole lot better than just, just getting up that little bit extra every morning just to mm. spend that time. Yeah, I've I found it's a lot harder in winter because mm. it's just darker for longer and it's cold <laughs> and everything's... And just, just get up and you're like, I don't want to yeah, get up. Yeah. Like, you find every excuse not to get yeah. up and you just got to tell yourself stop being a pussy. <laughs> yeah, you do. You really do. You just need to say, look, I know... You just need to remember how good you feel after yeah. it because I know I've had you know, from different travel and accidents through life, I've had just you know, sore lower back and your hips and you get all these injuries but, mate, doing yoga has honestly changed my my life like yeah. physically wise and mental wise because it, mm. it gives you time to clear the mind and you know take a few breaths yeah <laughs> a few few aware breaths then it's sort of it's a bit more like i was doing I was doing it last year actually fairly and i went down on a family holiday down to uh mission beach yeah and while every morning i'd get up and go and sit on the beach and do yoga and yep. people walk past me and they didn't even bat an eyelid they're just like oh he's doing yoga like, yeah if you did that 10 years ago i'm like what's What's this fucking dickhead doing? Throw sand at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking weirdo. Yeah, yeah big yeah. time. I've even got a few mates now that are like, oh, yeah, good one. Like, oh, you. And I've dragged a, over the years, I've, I've finally convinced a couple to come with me and, yep. yeah, got them, got them right into it. And, yeah, it's, it's good. I, I just try to do it a couple of times a week yep. just for 30 minutes or even just a stretch before bed. A mm. couple of breaths, just wind down or, or boost up for the day, whatever yep. you need. But, uh, yeah, you just feel a hell of a lot better just through life you know like you're not sore and you're agile and, yeah. and i do a lot of climbing like you said you know getting into the hiking and i do a hell of a lot of climbing up trees and that so yeah. if i didn't i'd be falling out of them <laughs> gonna have to get some uh a jucas version of coconut tree <laughs> make them a bit shorter for yeah. you <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> not these ladyfinger coconut trees yeah yeah I know. too tall though yeah. But only thing is, the older you get, the taller they're going to yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, they're growing taller and the body's getting um, yeah, wearing down. 
Yeah, so um, with your, like, what's one place in the world that's probably left the biggest impact on you? Oh, God, where, I, where I've spent the most amount of time has, I guess for that reason, spent the most impact on me overseas would be, would be Indonesia. I spent a lot of time going through remote parts of Indonesia, um, not only for work, but my own curiosity. Because when I'd have time off with work, when I was running the tours, I'd get, say, a week off and I wasn't going to sit around Bangkok. I'd just, you know, where the office was, I'd fly to you know, all through Indonesia a lot of the time because I speak speak the, the lingo as well, yep. which makes it uh, obviously a hell of a lot easier <laughs> to relate and connect with people. So how fluent? Um, like I could... If you drop me anywhere, I'd get out of strife. Oh, I'd nice. have a good have a good yarn. I could yep. you could leave me with a family for a few days, and I'll be able to yep. be polite and yep. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, ask someone on a date or whatever. <laughs> you know, all the essentials. <laughs> yeah. With the backpackers on the farm, I just know every every um, race and gender, <laughs> all their swear words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's <laughs> essential. Yeah, I speak yeah. everyone, every country. Yeah, unfortunately, we got no Indonesians working at the farm. So no. that's, that's oh, actually, it. I don't know any. Indonesian swear words, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so pro- probably Indonesia because I've 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 got some incredibly close and special friends, and they've that have been able to show me like traditional ceremonies, whether it be in um, like Muslim culture or Hindu culture or Buddhist culture or the, their you know their type of um, like Christianity yep. um, or whatever particular faith that they hold. I've been able to like go and have uh, like these different ceremonies and experiences whether it be you know i've been invited to big weddings and um you know like where they've or they've done up a big pig and you know done the big suckling pig on the fire and um yeah i'd say indonesia and just going through parts that have such incredible incredibly high poverty you know where they just have nothing they're literally living completely on the land you know like I went to Sumba at the start of the year, which is about an hour, hour and a half flight from Denpasar in Bali. And it's only ever gone to by surfers, like diehard surfers. Um, there's maybe two or three retreats you can go to over there and hotels. But outside of that, it's really difficult to travel. And I went over there with, I took a spear gun and a tent yep. and ended up convincing this guy to lend me his car because <laughs> you couldn't hide there's no hire cars or hire scooters you couldn't do that and the roads man like everywhere was just buffalo and goats and horses like you had to drive really slow not because yeah. the roads were like potholes everywhere but mainly because of the livestock on the roads and the currency there is all buffalo yeah like cash is not king buffalo's king yeah. so your your wealth is determined by at the front of your property how many buffalo horns you'll have yeah. because that's how many like buffalo that you've um like sacri- yeah killed yeah. and had like to offer the village or yeah. you know uh, uh a, a man to marry your daughter or whatever it may yeah. be so uh, yeah prob- i'd say indonesia's had the most impact on me but yeah i, I can't stress enough the the impact that traveling overseas especially to underdeveloped countries or countries a lot less privileged than australia um it's just yeah really helped my outlook on like how lucky we have it here and yeah yeah, really made me embrace like the opportunity that we that we have access to bloody oath yeah no that's a big one that's a good one actually yeah man it's been profound really 
Talking about serving, I love serving. Do you? <laughs> yeah. How do you love serving from living up here? <laughs> um, there's only about 10 of us in Innisfail that surf. We old Eddie Bay. Everyone does Eddie Bay board riders. <laughs> <laughs> Got our own club. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's hard <laughs> to actually, get into. There's probably about four that I know or three that will be there any given good day. Like, And what would you define as a good day at the Eddie Bay 24 break? to 33 knots has got to be going for about two to three days. Yeah, okay, so and that swell's got to be swell, build, you'll, you'll build get, it up. Yeah, you'll get like a three-foot swell come in. Speaking of swell, that wind's picked up oh, about yeah. 15 knots since <laughs> we've been sitting there. <laughs> uh, so you get you get a couple of decent waves? Yeah, what you size do. are we talking? Oh, I've, probably the biggest I've had there was, <laughs> I'm a dickhead, I was about an hour before a cyclone hit at Eddie Bay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Tropical Cyclone Larry is about to devastate the, the region. <laughs> All right, guys, just cruising down Eddie Bay. <laughs> Yeah, but you don't know the stuff I've done to get to Eddie Bay. <laughs> After a cyclone, I parked my car at the bottom of the hill yeah. on the opposite side and had to walk all the way up, climb trees and everything to get to the, True. To the beach, do the whole And what? Up. So what like makes the beach so good or open for getting waves? Is it how the sand gradually come, builds up? or It's the depth of the water to the, yeah. to the beach. To the beach. And I just find Eddie Bay, for some reason, a bit deeper. And mm. Bingle Bay is another good one. Yeah, yep, I've surfed at Bingle Bay. Yeah, Bingle Bay is probably the next good one. And then Mission Beach is sort of, you're protected by Dunk Island and that, but Bingle yep. Bay isn't. So I find that's a bit more depth there. And it's a, bit, it's a rockier bottom at Bingle Bay, so yeah. it doesn't ever get shallow. Yep. So that's a good spot. And then Ratchet Bay up at... Yeah, I've seen a few cars North. park there and, mm. and guys go down. Have you ever surfed out at the reef here, like out wide? Only once, and it was only about two foot. Yeah, okay. I've, I've been out there one day. It was perfect rights, mm. about four foot, peeling perfect. What? And it was a flat day, and it was just a big swell coming in. And I had my three-month-old son in the boat yeah. with me, and my brother wouldn't take me in. I had my board in the boat and everything, oh. but he wouldn't take me. He goes, "I'm not taking near the reef of the young." Are there, are the there certain reefs that get? There'd be certain reefs that get yeah. surf out here. Yeah, I heard yeah. horseshoes. Yeah, I've one, heard, I haven't been swell. there, but um, I know Adelaide, North Adelaide, gets it. Yeah, okay. So it'd be after a big rough, yeah. and then it's calm, and then you just pin or it there. If you got. Your storms out to sea further. Yep. You just got to look on, on your weather map if you see a big heap of red out to sea. Yep. Or a low, tropical low going up and down. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes there's a low out there and there's yep. five, ten knots here. Sure. So it's just little things Jeez, like that. I'd love, I'd love to do that to get my fix because I, yeah. yeah, I really love surfing as well. Not that I'm great at it, but yeah. it's just, oh, it's, it's cool catch, catching yeah. a good wave. Oh, and then plus... I'm a goofy footer, so this whole side of Australia is just shit because it's all rights. <laughs> yeah. You been over to WA at all? No, I have, but I haven't surfed there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, that's all left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never been over there. Yeah. No, so, yeah. That's, well, I'll have to come down to, the, to Eddie Bay. Yeah, I can. Go so, through the initiation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to spit in your left hand and... Nah. <laughs> Stand on one foot, wrestle a cassowary. <laughs> got to kick the cassowary in the nuts. Yeah, good luck. Have you seen the hoofs on those things? Oh, I've got a funny story with that one as well. Yeah? Oh, we used to have a fairly nice car and it was very shiny and dark. Mm -hmm. And those cassowaries don't like the look of themselves because they think they're another cassowary. So it walked up to my car and just started booting the shit out of my car. Was this at Eddie Bay? Yeah. Uh, that happened to my mum as well. Same yeah. thing probably three years ago. Yeah, this one, yeah, probably 10 years ago. Yeah. And it, but it done it two weekends in a row. To like, the same car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it kicked and kicked the, and like big scratches down the door. Yeah. And um, this, this is when the skydivers were coming in Yeah, there. okay. And the skydiver seen us pull in and park 
and then he was he he actually just dived. He was a backpacker. Yep. And then he comes up to him and goes, "Excuse me, excuse me, a big emu was kicking <laughs> your car." And then and then I went up there and someone said, "This fella's actually just tackled the cassowary away from your car." What? <laughs> he tackled it. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> and then so I went up there and here it is right near the car about to load up and take another kick. And I was on the other side of the car, picked up the biggest log and yeah. just threw it at it. And I'm like, nah. Get out of here, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to be, it'd have to be, like for me to go a cassery, it'd have to be life or death. Like, or <laughs> oh, I was it, on the other side of the car. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, mate, I've hey. seen the hoofs on those on a, on a fully grown hey. cassery, an adult cassery. It's, mate, they're powerful. Yeah. Hey. Um, but yeah, I remember mum trying to do the insurance claim on the car and called up some <laughs> some you. some person, you know, in an office in yeah. Melbourne. <laughs> She's like, a cassery has attacked my car at Eddie Bay, Far North Queensland. And they're going, excuse me, a what? A what? A ca- I don't know why I'm doing an American accent. A what? A ca- so that, yeah, someone in the call center was YouTubing um, like cassery attack and they're like, Oh, oh my god like that's like, that's fucking terrifying like <laughs> yeah, those things are real in this country I'm like yeah mate this story's getting verified because his mother's just come yeah mum's just come out and she's like yeah that, that's a real thing <laughs> yeah so after that um, but the same at time as I threw that log mm. there you know the words of the overseas nature people they're having a little look in a video yeah. and taking a photo well it got all that <laughs> They filmed it. They were filming. So you got the, the footage? No, they <laughs> no, they actually got me thrown and then they said, You can't do that and I said, Well let it kick your fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't like put no. it up anywhere or No, they mustn't have. They were old people, so I don't know if they yeah. knew how to do it, but I'm glad they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can imagine you on the headlines just like deranged man attacks the attacks cassery on secluded Far North Beach and is like there with the big log over your head. Oh. The cassery coast killer. Yeah, yeah that would have been the headline. <laughs> yeah, so the whole back to basics adventures. Yep. That's like a pretty big deal now, isn't it? Like, well, it's, it's progressed into. Um, yeah, it's just, I guess, developed over the years. It eventually started as something that I'd say with my brother and my mates when we'd go camping and fishing up here, yep. and especially after we'd been in Brizzy for a bit or we'd you know, been in the city, and I lived in Cairns for a bit as well, and I'd go, oh, just the traffic and the people and the concrete and the sounds and the do-do-do and the yeah. roo and everything would get to you, and I'd go, man, I just need to get back to basics. I need yeah. to go strip it all back to basics. And go and, and do what do what feels real to me because as you know, growing up on the farm, we crave that time in nature. Yeah. And yeah, it started me and me and Strick. Um, we were in Brizzy together, and he grew up in like remote parts of you know, PNG and Sunny Coast, and over in the islands in in Pacific. So he'd, he'd had a similar upbringing in a sense to me, connected in nature, doing a lot of fishing, a lot of rainforest stuff, and. And yeah, we became sort of mutual mates talking about our upbringings and what we loved and what we were passionate about. And we started doing little missions to Morton Island and going down to Byron and you know, pretty much anywhere but uni. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we just found like we, we, as you do, we spent the first, you know, six months or a year spending way too much time in, in bars and nightclubs and like all that scene. And then you just wind up feeling shit ass the next day and i was going man we honestly we we need to get back to basics we need to get back to what it's all about and and do what we love so we started 
What are in the, I remember we're in the Brizzy River. We had this tinny. It was probably three and a half meter tinny with a fifteen. Wouldn't call it a motor. Only worked ten <laughs> percent of the time. But yeah, no life jackets, no oars, no safety gear. Like a little <laughs> tiny little tank, probably half full of water half the time. And we'd be in there with the surfboard scurfing, and we'd be trying to catch sharks and catch a mud crab and just yeah. all that sort of stuff. And we started taking photos and videos of it and all the stuff that we were doing. You know, going to Morton Island, putting crab pots in for blue swimmer crabs, and yeah. going down the sand dunes on those ply boards and camping on the beach and our mates were going wow like oh man you guys are so lucky and that's one thing that got me i was like like yeah we're lucky but we're no luckier than you like you can do this as well like you're (laughs) spending more money than us on the weekends by going and filling yourself up with grog and buying you know flash shirts and you know all that sort of stuff and yeah we were just you know fuel and we'd often go at no tucker we'd just take a six pack of beers and a few sweet potatoes and a couple <laughs> apples or something like whatever some luck yeah yeah some some, <laughs> some luck and a bloody handful of enthusiasm and <laughs> and try it out yeah we just started taking photos of it and we thought oh how good would it be to just yeah we will just we'll start a, a website and a facebook page and we'll just see if people will get around it and yeah. who knows what could happen we might get a a TV show or get people to sponsor us something or, yeah. you know, just, well, the, the core of it was we just wanted to share the stoke of getting out, getting back to basics and that anyone really can do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is something that's very accessible and achievable for many walks of life living where we do. So yeah. that's, that, that's, that's where I guess where it began and then it developed and progressed as, as things do when you put a bit of time into it. And um, yeah, it's, it's, built up to take us on an incredible amount of adventures and journeys and meet the most uh, wild people and wild places and yeah, get up to all sorts of mischief and <laughs> near deaths and yep. uh, yeah yeah and, and one of the greatest things has been is just meeting so many other like-minded people that have reached out to us now from seeing our back to basics profile and being like oh guys like you got me into spearing or you got me into fishing or i i went and checked out this place because i saw you did this hike to that that waterfall and you know like yeah. that that that's yeah buddy such a great feeling yeah you cost me a bit of money <laughs> <laughs> shit now i'm gonna need that boat and i'll probably need that gun and <laughs> especially the one where he's went and camped out on the island with badge Oh, okay. Yeah. After I seen that, I had two swags coming my yeah. way. <laughs> Couple of swags, bloody the gas cooker and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Still haven't done it yet. I'm waiting for that. Swags are still in the plastic. <laughs> <laughs> I've hit my fam, my kids up, and like what? they just don't like fishing and don't like being on the water. Oh, like, that's it's, a hard it's one. Killing. What me. if it's a really nice? What if it's really nice weather? Yeah, my daughter doesn't want me to go for four knots. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Won't go fast. No, How old is she? She's seven. Okay. So hopefully, a couple more years, yeah. and she. Finds a bit of oomph. Testosterone. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, bugger, mate. No, you just got to, mate, you just got to lay down the law. Yeah. Tell them, all right, team, family bonding. No, <laughs> well, oh, there's it, mosquitoes. Yeah, I've done it a couple of times, but I just, that's what I really want to do. I've camped out on the islands a couple of times, mm. but um, yeah, I just really want to get, Yeah, well, do do you, you know how you feel after that. You mm. just feel so, for us, it's a bit of a recharge as well, like, because, now the nature of the beast is with you know with having a YouTube channel and Instagram and creating you know videos and yeah. content for ourselves and you know people that we work with. Uh, you spend a lot of time behind the the, com- the computer and on the blower and making yeah. calls and texts and you know my screen times 
you know, hours more than <laughs> I want it to be. But yeah, spending that time in nature is just re fully recharging. You yeah. know, some, sometimes I've gone out to the islands often. Every few months I'll go out by myself. I'll just take the tinny, cruise over, just have a night, do a little fire, yeah. night under the stars, you know, take a pen and paper, you know, write a few of my thoughts out. Yeah. You know, just, take the pace off so it's fucking awesome yeah and, and i come back just feeling clear yeah. and feeling happier and you know, lighter and you know, motivated it just it's a good little like plugging myself into the wall yeah. plug your phone to the wall that's <laughs> plugging me into the wall yeah. just putting yeah plugging me into the island so yeah so you probably went to bed at about seven o'clock because you had no one to talk to <laughs> yeah you. i was like well shit this is boring <laughs> <laughs> just woo, boost over to Mission Beach straight up to straight up to the, the shrub yeah straight up to the pub yeah that island really takes it out of you <laughs> oh, oh that's that's happened before we've gone out with a couple of mates camping on the island we're all there and you know you have a couple of beers and yeah. like you reckon we could what do, you, what do you reckon the pub's doing down at Mission Beach I'm like no that defeats the purpose of already <laughs> no it's definitely on every bloke's mind yeah <laughs> hitting, the, hitting the pub yeah. it's always where you're not where you aren't <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly oh what am i missing out on yeah. well that's that's one of the biggest killers man today is like where yeah you're, you're always thinking about you know the, the grass greener and where you're not but man you i, I know it's something that i constantly work on in my life is how can i be, become more present and just mm. get the most out of that moment yeah the moment like where, where am i right now mm. and how can i get the most out of that whether it's who i'm with or what i'm doing like like right now, how can I just, you know, how can I be all here, sitting here on the balcony with you having a beer? You yeah. know, like my mind's not anywhere else. And I don't really want oh, it to be. We got to. We're looking at this crack in here. Yeah, we. <laughs> Speaking of that, I'll whack this coconut <laughs> open, eh? Nice. So you're going to get an online crack of the coconut. Actually, I should record this. Yeah. Oh, too late. <laughs> There we go. Coconut. <laughs> it's looking a bit clear though, isn't it? You might see this one on my Instagram. Oh, there's a Kraken. <laughs> Why the crack not, eh? <laughs> a little morale booster for there a Sunday go. afternoon. Hell yeah. <laughs> God's nuts. Yep. It's healthy. Well, cheers. Good for you. Yeah, cheers. Good to be here. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh. Cheers. Cheers. Great to be here. Great to get you down. Mm. Oh, oh, God's nuts. I climbed up when it was, yeah, in glimpses of the, the sunlight when the trees dry out because it's hard yeah, to climb up the coconut trees. trees to, yeah, when it's wet, obviously. It's fucking mega dangerous. So, <laughs> yeah, I climbed up the other day when we had a, one of those perler days for the last week and went and got a few coconuts. I've been craving it, eh? Yeah. The, um, is there a technique to climbing trees, those? Yeah, there's a couple. I... I think I may have done a video. I did a video for BCF, but I was restricted to a minute yep. that I could do the video for because a minute's what fits into yeah. like socials. And these days, people generally don't have attention yeah. attention span of much longer. <laughs> a minute, that's yeah. 15 seconds. A minute, it? shit, it's like a lifetime. <laughs> Instagram stories, yeah. 15 seconds, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, God forbid we'd have to put four up. But um, yeah, so I'll... I'll Actually, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do an in-depth vid on climbing coconut trees because I had, sometimes when I'm down on the beach, few of the youngsters there that follow back <laughs> to basics, they're like, hey, Az, Az, 
you climb up a tree for us? Can you climb up a tree? And I'll just find myself all afternoon climbing these trees and then I end up with no coconuts because I, oh, can I? And then cute little kids, they're like eight, eight or ten years old, like, oh, can we have a coconut? Can we have a coconut? <laughs> well, they giving everyone coconuts, but... Um, <laughs> so grab a rock, mate. Can we have rum as well? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Too expensive. Yeah. But yeah, generally it's just monkeying, monkeying up. Mm. You know, there's a couple of different techniques depending, I find, on the slant of the tree, yep. like the angle of it, and the width and how like coarse that particular variety of um, of coconut yeah. is. Oh, yeah. so but generally just a low one. Is it more? <laughs> <laughs> the younger the coconut yeah. tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, we're f- fortunate down here though that I could generally doesn't get too touched and whenever i know that or find out that the uh, the contractors come and denut yeah. a lot of the coconuts i just come through with the trailer <laughs> or the boat on the back and i just excuse me mate can you just leave them there i'll clean them up for you and i've just got a mountain mate, of coconut look, they're like oh, i think that coconut blokes around here soon yeah, yeah. <laughs> just leave them here yeah they do so it's, it works out well that time of the year <laughs> so when you monkey up is it more leg drive or you yeah, it's very much it's very much leg drive. Um, yeah. It's keeping your weight like in your Heels. in the back of your hips, and it's almost like side on, and then just tw- 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 yeah. like hands hands behind it, and yeah, my arms are straight, and I'm just like literally as you'd see a yeah. a monkey climb up, and then once you get up there, it's like yeah, you want to disperse your weight between a few different points, so all your weight's not on one front. <laughs> yeah, because I've <laughs> I've grabbed on you grab onto some, and then it just just falls out from you, so. You need to, yeah, especially when you're in the high trees and it's windy. A bit of sway. Oh, yeah. you get Sometimes you get a couple of metres each way and yeah. you're swaying up in these trees. But they got a really large root base, so it's always, yeah. you feel quite safe up at the top of them. But, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so sometimes you get 50, 60 gods nuts out of yeah. a tree. And you only say, so yeah, they need to do half a tree. Yeah. And <laughs> you spend three hours carrying them home. <laughs> my, I spent my whole life getting the brown ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, when once they once they shoot and you cut them open, they have what's called oh they call in the Pacific Islands the uh, Navara or Nirvana, which means heaven, and it's a uh, it's like fairy floss, like yeah. coconut fairy floss in the middle, and you just scoop it out with a spoon and eat it. Yeah. So where the the water or the milk was yeah. has hardened and formed Congealed into a sugary yeah substance. yeah it's really nice I've, there's another one the Torres Strait Islanders do it they climb up and they nick where the actual coconuts form they mm-hmm. nick it then they put a cup over it yep. under it mm-hmm. and that drips into the cup and they make alcohol so out you get of the it. nectar or from the so from the, the nut itself and I think it's before the nuts form there's like it's like a um banana bell or something yeah, like okay. that I, don't, I, I yep. don't really know much about it but they said that it's actually illegal up there they, they had to illegal it. yeah they had to make because everyone was doing it, it. everyone was getting drunk. bombed out on yeah. on coconut jeez mm. we'll have to yeah they yeah. said yeah they put a cup under it and it drips in and then that makes somehow makes yeah alcohol. we'll have to reach out to a couple of the TI boys <laughs> locally and <laughs> suss them out <laughs> we're going into the uh, the black market co- coconut um <laughs> Liqueur industry. <laughs> um, well, I've heard that if you keep it on the tree and you go up with a power drill or something that you can put a hole in the coconut, yep. you just go, put it in from the top and then leave it for a couple of days and it will naturally ferment yep. and make like a, an alcohol. It'll go yep. alcoholic. So depending on how long you leave it, I guess, is <laughs> determines the strength. But um, I can hear a few of the um, lorikeets as well. And that's another one I've seen. I've jumped. Mm. I used to get dropped off in front of a big mango tree. Yeah. 
and certain times of year, the lorikeets come in and they eat all the fermented um, Co- um, coconuts mangoes. Or... Yeah, okay. And they're all laying on the ground. They can't fly. They're drunk. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're all just on the ground. And you could walk up, pick them up, and they're like, nah, nah, they're all drunk. Yeah. That's unreal. Yeah. I wonder if bats would have the same effect. Because I know that yeah. bats, oh, bats maybe only eat the fresh ones. Because I know I've got a big mango tree in my yard here. And in like November, December, Oh, wow, it's just loaded. And then at night, you got yep. you can hear all that. <laughs> and then, but yeah, but I didn't have luckily any drunk cockatoos <laughs> taking my, my haul last year. But yeah, bats at night, definitely. Hey, they have a bit of a menace in the bananas at the moment. They have been, yeah. yeah last couple of months, we've been getting a lot of strife with mm. uh, the and bats. The whole industry is copping it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's some, their habitats have been taken from somewhere. I don't know, but they're just a lot more peri- uh, prolific this time they're sick of the middle of cans <laughs> next to the what is it the next to the library yeah, the oasis yeah yeah <laughs> they cut down all those trees they they build a new building yeah they cut down the trees but then there's still left a couple of trees yeah. so there's still it's just there's now there's more there. bats yeah, on the tree <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know that's what do you do there that's a hard one man they're they're i know in i was in vanuatu a couple of months ago with a a mate who's got his own island up there and like the locals they just shoot them and eat them mm. and they're supposedly really good meat when we were there it wasn't fruit season and we tried to have a couple of shots at some there but uh, yeah. they just didn't come close enough for the the range of the rifles yeah and but he, he was saying the meat's incredible on yeah. them and they eat them over there they call them island rooster in torres Strait. Island. yeah yeah Mm. Island rooster. Well, yeah, I've seen that the meat on them he showed me was dark, so similar mm. to that of a duck, so yeah. or a quail. Like it looked really nice, dark meat. Not that I'm suggesting going and <laughs> shooting bats and eat them. To what extent? I think they're they're a beautiful animal, and apparently there's not many of them around. But uh, when you live on a farm, that a bit worried about the lysivirus. Is it lysivirus? Yeah, yeah. Here, it's not a good one if you get that. No, I don't. It's game over. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, I won't be risking that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, let's go to KFC, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so... Oh, oh, that's gone down well, that Kraken. Mate, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, coconut yeah, I crack- find it's one of my... Honestly, it'd be one of my favourite drinks is coconut, like fr- out of a fresh coconut, a little bit of rum, stash of lime, a couple of cubes of ice if need be, but it's pretty pretty cold at the moment for yeah. us northerners. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's and it's hydrating as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's what uh, the club in Cairns, they have coconut water in the fridge you can actually buy that's after a good the thing. game. And yeah. yeah, it's really, yeah, it's supposed to be really good for you. Yeah, well, they, they say it's, well, not they say, it is the only other liquid that can substitute as blood plasma. Yeah. And in the war, when they didn't have blood to put in IV to like the wounded soldiers, they yep. do like direct IV with coconut yeah. water, fresh from coconuts. <laughs> yeah, and it'd keep people alive. Yeah. It's like the only, it has the same molecular st- or similar molecular structure to that of blood. Blood, yeah. Yeah. That's old. That's yeah, so, so I, yeah, <laughs> fact. That's a, as fact. Yeah. <laughs> People will look it up and they're like, hmm, actually, it's uh, only 60%. <laughs> just after Similar listening to this, when you listen to this podcast, just turn Google off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're just claiming all these we're things. We're claiming so much yeah. shit today. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I know my, my brother was in the Cook Islands a couple of years ago and he got crook, like really crook, like... You know, couldn't leave the toilet and he had crook a bucket islands. in his hand. Yeah, Crook Islands. <laughs> yeah, legit. And they, yeah, they had him on, all they could provide him was coconut water. Yeah. And it just completely rehydrated him. So, yeah, I always try and keep a couple close by in the back yep. of the ute. 
So yeah, I see a lot, a lot of your Instagram stories. Always a coconut involved. Yeah, mate. <laughs> I've, I've had a saying for a while: if the coconuts don't grow there, I don't go there. <laughs> I was I was down in like Sydney recently for work, <laughs> and this, like someone pulled me up. They're like, "So you're in Sydney? I don't believe coconuts grow there." I was like, "Come on, mate." <laughs> <laughs> business. Yeah, business things. <laughs> I'm down here planting them. <laughs> I'm just introducing the species to New South Wales. <laughs> they haven't actually, yeah. How far south of the coconuts grow? I don't even know. I don't. I don't. Oh, I don't know if they'd go much further south than like 1770 or Gladstone. Yeah. Like maybe I, know, not. I haven't seen them in Brizzy or on no. Goldie anyway. Actually, I think I saw some of that. What's that big artificial pool they've made? It's, is it South Bank in Brizzy? Oh, like yeah. Where the big like their their lagoon, I guess. Yep. I think I might have saw it. Might have just been a palm, but it was it was years ago. But there was no coconuts on it. There was yeah. definitely no coconuts. Otherwise, I hundred percent would have run up and <laughs> ripped them down and <laughs> took them out the the valley or wherever we're going that night. <laughs> uh, is it alright if I BYO my coconuts? Fucking <laughs> wheelbarrow. They're like, what's this fellow going temp and bowling? <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> Clear out the D floor. <laughs> oh. Knocking them down on the D floor. <laughs> yeah. So, um, with all your editing and stuff, who does mm. most of that? Mate, Strick, Strick initially has done a lot of the editing and only in the last probably eight to 12 months, I've started doing, like learning how to do the editing programs myself because I'm not that great with technology, but I figured I need to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I've been, uh, yeah, but I just, I, oh, it does my head in spending a lot of time behind the screen, but... Uh, the more, obviously, like anything, the more time I'm spending behind it and doing little YouTube tutorials, and I've got some really great mates that are videographers. Uh, Benny Crisp, a guy who works for uh, Sailing With Sundays. Shout out, Benny. Love you, mate. And Two Beers, uh, another a guy who's a world traveler and an incredible um, videographer and photographer mainly as well. And they've given me a lot of tips on, yeah. and strict as well, on how to edit photos and yeah. um, edit edit film. But... I've just found a lot of the, the content that does really well with us is just stuff that's raw. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like 15 to minutes, 15 seconds to a minute of just yeah. do, doing something in that real. moment. Yeah, yeah, something real, you know. <laughs> that's the thing. There's a lot of television and everything now. It's so scripted and yeah, as Badge would have told you about <laughs> All that being oh, geez, and on, all that on crap. The bachelor and all that, the bachelor. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, even that's all scripted and yeah. So it's a it's a different world. So the more raw and honest you can be, I think the further you're going to get. Yeah, and we've we've been trying to get it to a point where like we haven't been doing back to basics full time at the moment because obviously you, know, you still got to pay the bills yeah. and it's not something that at the moment that we've monetized to a point where we can you know both live on it. But we've saved up hopefully enough money now that in our own respective jobs like me on the farm and strict doing his gigs down off townsville doing some engineering work and that that uh we can we're going to put like a good 12 months going full time into it and yeah. just content you know um, make making videos meeting and greeting running trips and just seeing if we can make enough just to to, to live our lifestyle hey. you know what i mean like live our lifestyle and hopefully just inspire people more to to get out and connect with nature and you know embrace it yeah yeah that's perfect mm. that's what like everyone thinks money is everything but it's not just being happy and no look and i know doing what you'd wake up imagine waking up every day and 
wanting to go to work. Well, yeah, but a lot of people say to me, they're like, oh man, like it's really hard to catch up with you because you're always, you know, you're always on the move, you're always working, you're always real busy. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, 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 it's everything I love, you know, like I, I made a conscious decision like after, especially after the, the blackout and a couple of other points in my life where I've had, you know, near deaths where I've gone, if, if like I said, if we've only got one shot at it, you've got to fill it with, with, with what brings you joy. You know, what brings you joy in your life? Is it, you know, whatever it is, you know, if it's, if it's farming, if it's fishing, if it's, um, you know, photography, if it's growing roses, if it's, um, you know, making businesses that make a lot of money, you know, if you, if it's being a pilot, whatever it is, just, just chase that dream, you know, be hungry for it. Hey. Yeah. And, and like you said, money really isn't everything. Cause I know a hell of a lot of people with a hell of a lot of money that, aren't that happy no. and vice versa you yeah. know <laughs> but, oh, a lot, uh, like a lot of people say like you see someone in a big mansion and that and big house big boat and all mm. that but the thing is nine times out of ten they're not there enjoying it they're at work having to maintain oh, well, you, it yeah well you you create a lot around that life that um yeah prevents you from doing all those little mm. passion passion projects you know so yeah my a big thing for me is yeah feeling feeling you made making work making work your uh, your lifestyle you know, yeah. make make your passion your your work or monetize it to some degree that you can you can live it out and do it often yeah. you know so that you're filling your life with joy so and having the you know, freedom to me is you know, freedom is one of the most important things you know the freedom to be able to you know, live well and do what you want with who you want but having the time to do so is so important you know mm. well so. let's say three percent of the world lives like us Oh, 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 it'd be less, eh? Hey, it's just we're in the top. Yeah, we'd be in the top one percent. Hey. Another fun fact, another another real life fact. Stay off Google. Get, get your Google off. Yeah. <laughs> get your Google off. Yeah, get your Google off. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's definitely we're in the the smallest minority of of people. Yeah, hugely, without a doubt, man. Um, yeah, like and and I've yeah I've taken a lot from going through countries like Laos and remote parts of Vietnam and Indo and you just see oh man you see these people and they got nothing but they're the first ones to give you something yeah. just, and they get so much joy and happiness out of giving they just yeah. love giving and you just and it makes me it made me feel like selfish for how little I've given in certain parts of my life you know yeah. whether that be time or materialistic things or you know whether it's attention and um yeah, just it help really does help you reframe your life to to want to you know, do what you love with who you love, um, and and not always take the the materialistic road. Yeah. That's perfect. That's good advice. Yeah, well, it's 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 I've I've seen it. You know, I've been on I've, bo I've been on both ends. You know, I've yep. and and I've been around a lot of people who've been on both ends that have hunted money and spent their life you know trying to build businesses and just you know at the end of the day you like your life some good good bit of advice i was given was that your life is really comes down to two things like the quality of your life comes down to two things the, the quality of your mind and the quality of your relationships yeah so like everything else just flows on from that you know if you don't have a clear mind or if you don't have a positive mindset then everything else is affected by that yeah. your relationships your work your job your um your physical health you know um, and same with your relationships, you know, your quality of your relationships are determined by 
how the quality of your mind is, yeah. you know? So that's, that's, that's been a big one for me is like, all right, how am I constantly evaluating? Like, how's my mindset and how's my relationships with myself and people? It's really, yeah, that's big, perfect. big ones for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always tell people um, when they ask me stuff, I just always say like, you are who you hang around. Yeah, it's true, man. It mm. really is. It really is. How have you found like growing up, um, like obviously we, we grow up and we meet so many people and in those people, when you're growing up, you become mates with so many of them. Yeah. Um, and obviously as you grow older and older, some of those mates may not serve you, yeah. um, you know, depending on how the, the journey of your life is going. Um, how have you found, cause this has been a difficult one for me at times and like distancing yourself from those people without being, uh, rude or been yeah. like oh that bloody wanker he, uh, he, he doesn't talk to us anymore or yeah I, I find just what like you just said distance sure yeah. and probably like you're there for you're there for your close ones yeah and you're not as much there for the ones that are, are causing an issue in your life that's yeah. why I see it as just you can still be humble and nice and still do what you have respectful to do respectful and that yeah respectful but at the end of the day they're not they're not good for you so yeah that's why i, I see it is is i've i've got a lot of lot a lot of friends sure i've got a, a not many i've got a few close ones and i yeah. spend a lot of, like when you got a wife and kids oh. there's not much time for anyone man else. i can only imagine how long have you how long have you been with your your partner uh, 10 years married yep. uh last monday congrats dude <laughs> that's huge <laughs> so actually i she brought it up. I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like you. <laughs> so, what did you, did you do? Anything special? Or? Uh, I went to jujitsu training. <laughs> Actually, it was last. She cooked Thursday. a great dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it was last Thursday, and she reminded me on my way into jujitsu. <laughs> that I'm like, oh shit! What do I do? Do I? But I really like jujitsu. <laughs> it's like a show her a couple of jujitsu moves on the way home. So I um. Yeah, well, I'll have, to, I'll have to do something for that now. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, well, it sounds like, Because I did the math and I'm like, oh, fuck, that's 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And what do, you, what do you put, you know, having a, 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 a successful, I guess, um, you know, or like how, how, do you, how do you best have a healthy, healthy relationship? Do, would you have any advice for, well, for people who are just getting into a new relationship <laughs> or are in ones? Because I'm, I'm in a new relationship. Yep. Um, at the moment I can give you, know. you a lot of advice actually okay well, well I've been through everything a marriage sure. can go through so sure um, yeah I guess the main thing yeah, is anything I should <laughs> the main thing is um, learn your love language of your partner yeah okay there's five love languages mm -hmm. and if you there's a book if you can get it's an audio book because I don't read yep. <laughs> <laughs> no you can actually buy the book as well but um, five love languages are probably the biggest one I've learned out of life everyone has a love language and if you can learn the main one yep you do more of that for that person so is, is the the book you're suggesting a is it called the five love languages yeah yeah okay it's a it's a little bit churchy-ish yep. but when you filter yeah, through all yeah, that filter through it's the perfect religious stuff yep. and it you can actually use it on your kids sure. family members it's not just people yep you have to so be just with. like good life yeah and it's just life advice yeah that's Probably, yeah, out of everything, it's the one to know because you you might spend your whole life giving your, like, there's gift giving is one. Sure. Uh, acts of service, it's mm -hmm. like doing stuff for people. Yep. Um, it's hard for me to remember them all. <laughs> the other one is words of affirmation. So saying, hey, man, you're fucking awesome. Like, yeah. Good, 
Like, yep. how good's your bloody back to basics and all that? Yeah, yeah. And like po- yeah, positive reinforcement. Yeah. And just yeah. like telling them that they're good at stuff. Man, and, and that's, man, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a really big one that I find people, especially in our like society and demographic don't do especially as like our we our upbringings is very masculine um agricultural like there's a certain definition of a man um, which doesn't necessarily involve being open and transparent about your feelings or your emotions and that's been a big learning curve for me over the last few years is is taking the time to like tell someone how you feel yeah and sometimes that may be a really difficult conversation or very hard to say but it's so much better better said than not oh, I've found definitely. yeah especially if you have friends that have passed away just from not speaking like exactly that as well so. exactly that's another halt that's an, another issue mm. in itself and yeah I mean yeah like you said being rural it's it's a tough man's crowd isn't it being on a it farm is. it is man. talking about your feelings and stuff yeah so. there's certain stigmas around it which which we need to break through yeah we massively need to break through because it no it that doesn't serve us like no. we're we're tribal beings and like how humans have evolved stay off google (laughs) (laughs) Um, how how humans have evolved is like we're made to sit around uh, a fire or uh, sit sit in an area in a space together and talk about our problems and what what works well what doesn't work well how we feel about certain aspects of our life and each other and and that just that doesn't happen anymore and obviously life gets in the way such as like you said bills and kids and Mm. all the things of life but it's it's so important to to take stock yeah well the the other one was um keep your keep your beer cold and your friends but uh, was a uh, friend circle small and your beer's Big, cold. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> what was my mate saying the other day? He was like a country song and it's like, a cold beer, it never broke my, a cold, ain't it, a cold beer ain't never broke my heart, my heart or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But yeah, I, I agree. Like, um, quality, not quantity. Yeah. And um, yeah, keep the oh, beer cold. Oh, as you start um, moving, progressing with the partner you got, like, I reckon that's probably the, out of everything. If Learn her love fire, language. Yeah, the love language. And, let, and tell her yours as well. That's really good advice. If she doesn't know yours, she's just going to do hers to you. And then before you know it, resentment builds. And the first three years of your life being together, it's just a honeymoon period. Yeah. You can do and say anything you want and just get over it. Yeah. And after, after that, it becomes resentment. And before you know it, stuff happens. So. Uh, well, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, what's, that's what we constantly see around us, isn't it? Mm. So, yeah, I'll, thanks for that advice. I'll really yeah. take that on board. Well, um, is there any other like resources or like whether it's books or podcasts or um quotes that you've you've found that you've like used or taken any like good life well there's another another one another book called the chimp paradox i've heard of that and i haven't read it though yeah audio book yes audio yeah (laughs) like like i said like yeah like i said (laughs) (laughs) we'll find out googling mate yeah Speaking of which, we don't endorse. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I, I need. I, I'd like to get into. I, I like writing. Yep. I write a fair bit, and I, I'm, I'm quite a slow reader. I like yep. to take it all in, and that's at the same time though. I find I end up sort of getting over a book halfway through, yeah. and I'll start. I've, I've got three or four books on the go, so yep. an audio book would be good because then you can play it when you go for a yep. run or if you're on a drive. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely check out Chimp Paradox and the Five yeah. Love Languages. Yeah, Chimp Paradox is one. It's about it, it talks about your three. You got three brains. Okay. And so you got your chimp. Yep. Then you got your human, and then you got your computer. Okay. So your chimp is your first reaction. 
yeah to anything so it's, it couldn't be positive it couldn't be uh, negative yeah so yeah like someone swings a punch at you that's your chimp's Bush, gonna die yeah yep yep but if you get upset your chimp's gonna talk first sure so you got about five seconds to sort the chimp out and then the human can jump in and say no settle down chimp yeah um we're gonna act rash here and just settle down and just walk away is that the computer saying that to no, the chimp? No, that's a human. The human saying that to the chimp. I yep. think it's a human, they call it. And then the computer is what you, uh, is programmed in you. There's, there's no change. After yeah, the okay. age of eight, these um, things will not change. Really? So Can't change them at all? No. Well, lucky I, I think I had a pretty good upbringing. Yeah. I'm glad that, for my upbringing, yeah. <laughs> that's why like, looking after your kids when they're at a young age is a very, very important yeah, I've do. heard that sort of like six to, like at the, by, by the time six or eight years old, like you said, is yeah, that's where a lot, yeah, a lot of the, the pre-programming is yeah. has been set in, and any any trauma um, that's happened in that time will, will hold with you, and you need to do a hell of a lot of work yeah. to strip that back. Yeah, and sometimes you just can't strip it. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, that that were probably the two main ones. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely look them up. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, but other than that, just I got a, I listen to a lot of funny podcasts. There's a two da- lads, uh, the Grin Reapers in Western Australia. Yeah, okay. Actually, become sort of friends with one on Instagram. I yeah, talk yeah. to him all the time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's he's they're pretty funny dudes. So. <laughs> what do they yarn each other or get yarn guests it, on? Yeah, they get guests yeah, and they yep. yarn each other. They actually had a sleep doctor on the other day. Oh, okay, talking about, about the importance sleep. of sleep. Yeah, yep. and that was that was really good. So, yeah. what was it, what's the hot tip for sleep other than uh, get a decent amount of it? Yeah. Um, no screen time before bed. I'm a big, like I'm that. a big one on that. And when I wake up, yeah. I try not to. Whether it's like 30 minutes or an hour before bed or in the morning. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest ones. And yeah, eight to nine hours. Most people. Eight to nine. Yeah. Anything Should less. Be, be good getting eight or nine yeah. every night, on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, especially after jujitsu, it's like one. Yeah. <laughs> Man, and that's. Oh, I really, I really want to be able to get get back and and do more than one class. I really enjoyed my first class with you guys, yeah. where we met. And that's what I wanted to talk about. How did, how, what were your thoughts of going to your first class up there? I, I I've had quite a few friends that I I value their 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 opinions and suggestions, and they recommended it to me. Yep. That it's because they know that I'm a very physical person and I love putting a lot into what I do, not only physically but mentally. And they yep. said that really brings in the mental side of it. Yep. It's like playing chess for the body and mind. Yep. You know, it's the whole, a whole package and it's also you know, great um, like practical use in life, but it's good problem-solving skills. It's very hands-on. And I think it's very human and natural yeah. to be there, you know, wrestling another man yeah. or woman, whatever it yeah. is. So, I, th- I yeah, I, I just thought bugger it I'll go give it a shot and I wanted to get into uh, a sport yeah. other than say free diving or spearing or hunting yeah and it's um, I'd, I'd, it's changed my life completely it's, I'm not a totally different person from walking in that door sure how long you been doing it for five years yep yeah I got my purple a couple of weeks ago congrats so, man so it's a nice it's a big deal in the world of jiu-jitsu like as you you get your white belt yep they always say the white belt's the hardest one to earn sure Blue belt. Once you get blue belt, you're sort of set in your ways. Yep. Either going to stick or you're going to go. Sort yeah, of okay. So. And Which, how often do you train? Just twice a week, Tuesday, Tuesday Thursday. Thursday. It's probably most jiu-jitsu people average three nights a week. But yep. yeah, just family and work. That's, yeah. that's us. Yeah, well, that's, that's been difficult for, for me is just because I live down at Kuramai and it's the half, a minute, half yeah. an hour drive. And generally I'll, 
I'll go up the Palmerston, go to help the old boy up out on the farm, then I'll come back down here, and then I'm. It's already. I've done yeah, an hour and a half driving for the day, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, oh, it's sort of dark, and I haven't like got to fit in time with the misses and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, when I, I'm thinking of moving back to the Innisfail, yep. So when I do, I'll have access to be able to start getting into gym and the likes yep. of jujitsu again, which I, I really enjoyed my first class there, and I took a lot from a small amount of time, like the the people you got there and the the nature. And the culture of it, yeah. I found whether that's the whole of jujitsu or whether it's just fusion and Innisfail, but I found it was a really like supportive and um, like, like it was it was a good place yeah. to to go. There, well, I didn't find there was any no, there was no ego. Everyone was you know, really mm. helpful and yeah. I find probably ninety five percent of clubs would be the same as ours. You probably get the five percent of just meatheads, but sure. And the hardest step in jiu-jitsu was the one you just did walking up those stairs it was I was nervous as anything mm. I didn't know anyone yeah. I was it was cold I don't <laughs> like the cold I was wearing minimal clothing it was light fabric and uh, and everyone just looked I walked in and everyone was just wrestling each other and looked and they knew exactly what they were doing and they all had you know you all had the right gear on and all the all the, the, the yeah the natural born <laughs> drillers kit on and I thought far out here I'm gonna get smoked but no it was I really yeah. took a lot from it and yeah. I look forward to getting back there again yeah the thing is anyone who walks up those stairs is gonna get treated the same yeah and no one's gonna get meat meat headed or no one's gonna hurt you or anything and tap early tap often yeah that's a, that's, yeah, that's and, advice and what I what I enjoyed was it was really informative like everyone gave me the time of day as a newbie to like give me p- positive feedback and reinforcement and say, oh, like you could have done that there or I'd recommend this and that was really good. So, yeah, yeah it was a lot of, lot, of, lot of good vibes. Yeah, and like I see a lot of new people go through the gym and some don't come back. Mm. And the thing is, I've seen how flexible you were and, and that like not too many people that flexible and have the dexterity you have. So it's perfect for you and you've got yeah, a good okay. mental, mental state for it. Yeah. Smart. I, th- I think 90% of the good jiu-jitsu people are office workers that are just sit at home uh, sit in the office and just half nerdy sure they're like they just take it on board yeah well I, I came home and I started um, I started looking at you know the the, the, the triangle <laughs> and the, you know, how to break hold and yeah, all these different little terminologies yeah. that you were throwing and uh, yeah I yeah I just I started nerding out a bit to it and, uh, <laughs> but yeah I just I need to obviously Need to get back in there yeah, into the physical. That's the hard part. First six months is just learning to mm. survive and knowing where you're safe. Sure. And then after that, your stuff starts coming together. But yeah, yeah. Like my, I always tell, probably said in this podcast a few times, the hardest thing for me was learning to learn. Learning to learn. That's a big one. Mm. I just because yep. I'm a boss at my work and I just couldn't. Yep. Couldn't. Um, take it in I'm used to telling people what to do but yeah. I had to do all the listening retain the info yeah yep. and I was like Jesus is not working for me but how good's that for the brain yeah like yeah it's a, the role reversal yeah yeah no I I agree man and I I love what you guys are doing there and I, I look forward to getting back hopefully this is the the catalyst to hold me accountable <laughs> as I've now put it out to the public <laughs> sphere that I'll be there again <laughs> Tuesday night be there <laughs> if he's not there you put it on yeah, your YouTube yeah, yeah. <laughs> in his comments <laughs> like and subscribe yeah. right here <laughs> no well mate it's been a fucking good chat it's like nearly two hours here has it? Hey. man I'm glad I'm glad it's flowed I reckon we could do another ten we definitely could <laughs> well when, when uh, we'll, we'll throw them back and forward uh, you know 
few ideas for the yarn. I thought, man, well, we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we probably just scratched the surface, really. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's good to, so. yeah, like you're, you're fairly philosophical, so it's good to talk to people like yourself as well, just to see the way you think and... Cheers, man. Appreciate it. The main, Likewise. Yeah, the main reason why I started doing podcasts is just because my vocabulary is shit. And I just, and just the way I, th- I can't, I still do it right now. I can't explain myself properly. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's been a big one for me that I've been trying to get better at is articulating myself. Yeah. And that was a big one after my blackout because I, I found that my attention span when, when you're hypoxic I, I had a certain level of brain damage yep. and I found it very difficult to re, to hold on to my short term memory and I'd, I was very forgetful and I took it from that point to like keep a diary and I I started going back on yeah. learning to explain myself properly and, and listen properly so yeah I think it's a it's yeah it's been a big one for me as well and something I'm trying to get yeah. get better at as well so it's crazy yeah, but no, I really appreciate you you having me on, and I really love what you're doing with the podcast. I think, especially being in a in a place like Far North Queensland, four eight six zero, it's a place obviously that's incredibly close to our hearts for a variety of reasons. But um, it's just got so much to offer, and wow. it's a part of Australia that not many people come to or mm. even know about. Yeah. So I think it's great that you're giving it um, digital exposure and. Uh, yeah, I wish you all the best with it, brother. Cheers, man. We're going to go and hit some more Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go get some more coconuts. <laughs> and rum. <laughs> I'm not climbing. <laughs> all right, buddy. Yeah, that uh, potty was uh, recorded about a year and a half ago, actually. Um, we have a couple more up our sleeves we've done lately. So if you want to uh, keep up to date and subscribe, we would love if you leave a five-star review. But if not, just share it with a mate. Check out As Gallagher on Insta, B2B Adventures on Insta, and Taj Yarns on Insta. Yeah, give us a like, DM, tell us your stories if you would like to come on the potty and stuff like that. Fuck, anyway, just get everyone involved. Have a good day.